Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. My name is Peggy Olson, and I want to smoke some marijuana. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of August, September? August? September? August. August. This is the last weekend of August because next week is the holiday weekend. Is next week uh, Labor Day weekend or whatever that is? Mm -hmm. All right. Excellent. Uh, In the year of our Lord, 2009, thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101, KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Yes, it is Monday, uh, August 31st, 2009. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Without further ado, I should say that we're going to be giving away tickets to Blink 182 today. Today, today. We're going to be listening for more details on that. We're going to have uh, a giveaway happening today for Blink 182 tickets. And we'll be having a special sale on those as well. We'll have uh, details on that coming up. Also, a pair of passes to see Halloween 2. So, you know, you got that going for you as well. Uh, also, Rescue Me Season 5, Volume 1 on DVD. Rescue Me starring Dennis Leary. That was filmed at the Turkey's Nest where I saw the worst fight of my life. Filmed partially the bar where Sarah Dillon saw a guy uh, get his beat on with a baseball bat. All oh, very exciting. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here later on today. We'll recap last night's episode of Mad Men, which was spectacular, by the way. Even knowing in advance the thing about Peggy uh, smoking pot, which is not like a huge spoiler. It's not like giving away some massive plot point or whatever. But we sort of heard about that already because it was online because iTunes, had, they'd messed up and they put episode three online. And so it was already out there and whatever. Um, it was just, just a great episode. I mean, really, just the hands down, top to bottom. It was, uh, it was. I think it's the best of the season so far. Episode three of Mad Men last night was the best of the three that have aired. We'll also talk about last night's episode of True Blood. I mean, really, uh, on the great scale, you can't get further away from Mad Men than than True Blood. Who? But that's and, a good balance. I mean, come on, you might as well know. do from one end of the spectrum to the other. I, I don't know. I, I'm on the second week in a row with that with True Blood, where I'm watching it. And then I realized that part of my brain has just gone away. The part of my brain is figuring out, like, what laundry I have to fold or, like, do I have to go to the store and buy dental floss or something? And then I kind of go, ah, and I come back to my consciousness, and then there's somebody in the screen, like, uh, you know, like, humping a centaur. And then I go, okay, and then part of my brain goes away again. Anyway. Uh, So we'll talk about True Blood from last night. Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill uh, to talk about what happens now uh, post Ted Kennedy's uh, funeral, which is this week, which is a huge uh, deal. I watch it all day Saturday. Really? I figured figured it'd just be you and the slanket, you know, just you and your Snuggie sitting on the couch, uh, sort of conference calling with your relatives on the East Coast as that uh, unfolded. Yeah, it was. And at the same time, I have these, you know, fighter jets and formations of four flying by my balcony for the air show. (laughs) And I'm standing there trying to make French toast for breakfast. Breakfast and watch Ted Kennedy's funeral. It's a hard life. Well, it was like they were doing their own personal tribute to Tim. Their own, they were doing their own variation on the missing man formation for you. Uh, what else? Well, we'll talk to uh, Greg Nibbler, whose leverage dreams have been ruined again. I wasn't responsible this time, but it is worth noting that the sort of screwing that I inadvertently gave Greg a few you weeks sure ago, why well, shafted him out of being on Leverage a couple weeks ago, and I thought that the slate was finally going to be wiped clean because he was going to get to shoot an episode of Leverage yesterday, today. That's not going to happen. So no, he, no, there's, there, there are plenty of dreams left to be killed. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I can tell him by personally 
Well, it's happened to me on numerous occasions. Just, just Not with leverage, it. but many other things. Oh, uh, that never gets you don't any have better. To go, you don't have to go back too far to find something similar. <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Um, and I was, at, uh, I was at Nickelback on Friday. And I have to tell you, first of all, you've seen the tour program that I brought with me, right? <laughs> I somehow came away from that show with a tour program, a set list, an autograph, and a picture of me standing next to Chad Kroger. None of which I anticipated, by the way. I didn't plan on any of these things. And yet somehow by the time I got home Friday, I had all of them. So, anyway, we'll uh, talk about uh, I don't all know of that. What to say about that. <laughs> it, all you need to say is this. You need to say, uh, you'll be here later to hear me play the best Neil Diamond song in the history of everything. And that's not... Every Neil Diamond song is the best Neil no, no, no. Diamond song. You've, uh, Cracklin' you, Rosie? America? You, you have never heard a Neil America's Diamond song like the one I'm going to play Love on the Rocks? No. It's, I mean, it, it's all going to make sense when I tie it in later. But I have a Neil Diamond song. I met him once, but he denied he was him. What do you mean you, he denied he was him? I, I saw him picking up some photographs at the uh, Beverly Hills Walgreens. And I said, you're Neil Diamond. He goes, oh, no, I'm not. But was it clearly Neil Diamond? It was clearly Neil Diamond picking up his pictures at the Beverly Hills Walmart you photo think, department. Uh, you think he could have his own dark room? You know what I mean? Like you he could have so. a guy that does that for him. What if he was developing photographs of an untoward nature? Right, that, well. Maybe that's why he sent them over there. I saw a guy on uh, Saturday that I thought was Timothy Hutton. And I was trying not to stare. And then I realized it probably, well, he looked, I mean, I hate to say this, he looked too good. He, he, looked, oh. he looked too together to be Timothy Hutton. You know what I mean? Timothy Hutton has that... He looks as though he's occasionally not nine sheets to the wind, but maybe like two and a half sheets most of the time. Uh, like his gauge is always at about one-third intoxicated. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying he appears that way. This guy was not. I, I deduced after a while, after staring for a bit, I realized it wasn't Timothy Hutton. But then you figure that probably everybody else makes that same mistake, too. The guy must get that all the time. And so I think, and he kind of had that manner. Like he was sort of dressed in a way and hanging out with with sort of a... The composite of the composition of the group that was around him was such that it also indicated that he might be a person of note. But I think now, in retrospect, he must realize that he kind of looks like Timothy Hutton. And so he has assembled a group of wingmen to hang out with him who also kind of look like they might know somebody important. And that's his deal is he just hangs out in restaurants and bars getting laid because he kind of looks like Timothy Hutton. That's just my that's So my basically theory. he could sell his services, have Timothy Hutton at your next birthday party to make balloon animals for the kids if he wanted to. Exactly. Welcome to the Feldstein Bat Mitzvah. Timothy Hutton will be making balloon animals in the back. Thank you for joining us. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. Awesome. I am, yeah. I, missed I you at Nickelback on Friday. Oh, you know, I missed Nickelback, too. I have to tell you, so I'm looking at this tour program here, and um, first of all, Yes, I've seen the tour program. I feel like wow, I was that looks there. like something from the Academy Awards. You, uh, you, you saw the photograph that I showed you this morning of Chad Kroger. Look, I mean, regardless of where you fall on the Nickelback, uh, like, love, uh, you know, loathe, indifferent, whatever scale, there's the most awesome photograph in here. It looks like he just came straight out of a Ren fair somewhere. He it, does look very dancey. <laughs> he looks like he ought to be confiscating gold from the Band of Merry Men, you know, in Nottingham. Anyway, so you need I will to scan uh, that in, and we should have like a Photoshop contest for it. I'll scan it in, and I'll put it next to the photograph of me with. Ch First of all, I'm going to tell you that guy weighs like 90 pounds. Oh, he looks like a stick man. He's a miniature person. He's like seven feet tall, and he weighs probably 105 pounds. I mean, he just he's. I mean, I felt bloated standing next to that guy. 
That was the weirdest thing. And you're a little anorexic boy. And I will tell you this, speaking of uh, anorexia, Sarah, my final (laughs) note about this, and then we'll go to the news desk for some... uh, uh, Oh, and don't don't forget to tell you about the bachelorette party this weekend. I saw one of the grossest things I've ever seen. Wait, when did you go to a bachelorette party? I went on Saturday night. It's Uh uh, my friend Summer's getting married this weekend, and uh, so I got dragged to a dance club for a bachelorette party. A dance club like... Wait, like a like a like that kind like of dance a, club, <clears throat> like the worst <clears throat> kind of dance club. Uh, one of those ever. All right. Well, I ended up eating backstage with a Nickelback tour crew, which is a That's thing you pretty good. Don't ever really ever think is going to happen to you. I was just going to go and film people in the parking lot, and then somehow I was backstage having chicken tandoori with the guy who runs the lighting rig. It's a strange weekend. All right, let's do this. Let's pay a quick visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center downtown Portland, 509. It's going to be partly sunny today. Highs near 80. And as we speak, I-405 Southbound is more than likely reopened again. It's been closed all weekend. Now, do they get it? Are they done, though? Is this the last weekend that they're going to do that? I don't think so. I think there's another one. What a a mess I, I got myself into coming back from Clark County. Yesterday, and I ran into that. The lanes are closed ahead, and people didn't pay any attention. The lanes are closed ahead. Right, no. All of a sudden, everybody, somebody in a double horse trailer tries to cut me off because they didn't pay attention to the sign. Well, and you know, and to the city's credit, they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't treat us like children. In, right. in other words, they didn't block it. They just put up a sign saying, look, if you take this road, you will be screwed because it's, it's closed up ahead. Mm-hmm. They didn't close the whole entry ramp or whatever it is. Uh, so if you disregarded that, you just found yourself... And people uh, did. Yeah. Well, you know, that's their own fault. That's the way it goes. A Clark County girl got away from a guy who tried to kidnap her while jogging and cops found in savory devices in his trunk. A 15-year-old girl was near 142nd Avenue. This is near Brush Prairie. When a stranger pulls a gun on her and tells her, get into my truck. Well, she gets away. A neighbor calls 911. Matthew Ortez is quickly arrested. Cops found his loaded gun, along with restraints, camouflage clothing, a ski mask, and some bonding devices in his truck. It seems like he's kind of put the cart before the horse if he's trying to kidnap her, yet the ski mask is still in the truck. Mm-hmm. Seems like you want that, to be putting on the ski mask beforehand. Not that I'm trying to give you advice on that. And I, I noticed all these crimes over the weekend were committed in front of several witnesses, and people are quickly apprehended. People are, if, if you're going to do bad things, do them when people aren't around, not in front of crowds. You will, They'll track you down immediately. So Tim's advising you to wait until nobody's around to witness it, and I'm telling you to put on the ski mask beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, oh, by the you way... You guys are bad people. Did you, speaking of bad people, <laughs> I though... I think we're giving good advice. Though. Did you see the uh, the inside of the tent city where what's-his-name had that girl in California? No, no. Oh, it's creepy. I, it's... I was too busy over the week. I mean, I didn't even have time for Michael Jackson's birthday party. You were mourning. You had sackcloth and ashes. That and, let's say, I went to Clark County, too, on Sunday to get away from it all. And you watched a movie, right? I did. I finally, Sarah Dillon <laughs> recommended that I watch a motion picture, and I didn't. I fell asleep in the middle of it. Did you watch The Room? I had already seen The no, Room. What did you week? watch? I finally watched Twilight. <laughs> how, you made it. How far in did you make it before you fell asleep? Not very far. Right, excellent. <laughs> well, right. I, I, mean, I, I was amazed at the diversity of the... The uh, thin model-like students of Forsyth. No, there, was, there were all kinds of white people in that movie. Thin ones, fat ones, tall ones, short No, there was ones. also a lot of diversity. In, I mean, and then there was a, a discussion in, in the uh, cafeteria about what to write about in the school newspaper. And one of them was bulimia, is if that's running rampant in uh, Washington State high schools. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, that immediately dashed all credibility in this movie. Well, you can I've, tell this isn't really filmed in Washington. Exactly. Everyone here is just too thin. Um, I should say the best part about uh, Twilight, that whole sequence where they're sitting there in the classroom, 
when Bella and what's his name? Edward are first sitting, and I don't know why I know these things. When Bella and Edward are first sitting in the classroom together, and you know, he the teacher brings him in, and she sits down next to him, and he's glaring at her for no reason, and his eyes turn all black, yet no one notices the fact that his eyes have just become big black pools of ink. If you look on the shelf behind them, there's a stuffed aardvark for, for or armadillo for no reason. Uh, and it vanishes over and then reappears over and over again throughout the scene. Watch the first sequence in the movie when Bella and Edward are sitting there, and they'll the camera will be on Bella and Edward, then to the teacher, oh, then the back, then class? to the teacher. Yeah, and it's like that armadillo on the back shelf behind them is there for half the shots, and it's not there for the other half of the shots. I wonder if it's a crew member just stuffing with them. I, I think it was clearly that they had to do many, many, many reshoots to try to make that film passable. But uh, you know, out of the first scenes, I'm wondering. Are they going to use the turquoise gel on the camera lens throughout this film? Everything was like, even people's ears were turquoise. (laughs) All right, straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley coming up at uh, 7 o'clock. Christy Turnquist for the Oregonian and Blink-182 tickets. Stay there, we're live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. What are you doing? Sharpening these throwing stars. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Monday, August 31st, and good morning to you. It's 503 228 4101. If you'd like to join us today, you can also text at 52051. Coming up later on in the show, we'll give away a pair of tickets to see Blink 182 September 9th. That is uh, next month. That is, uh, what is it? Just like 10 days from now, actually. Yeah, next, this, one, next Wednesday? Like yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's going to be Halloween before you know it. Is it next Wednesday? I know I sound like an old guy here, but yes, boy, I'm just losing track of time. Yeah, it's the ninth because this Wednesday's the second. How quickly the months seem to go by with every passing year. Uh, also, a pair of passes to see Halloween 2. We'll talk about uh, the bachelorette party that Sarah went to this weekend. So this wasn't for, this is for uh, which of your friends? For Summer. Okay, so she's not already married to that guy, or she might, I mean, by definition. No, no, they have a kid together. Um, they've been together for years and years, but they're um, finally getting married this upcoming weekend. I have to ask very quickly, why did, who decided to go to a dance club? Because just knowing you and your friends as I do, it doesn't really seem like... She wanted to go dancing. Well, a lot of my friends like to go dancing. Like, I have a very diverse group of friends. I am not one of the ones who likes to go to dance clubs. Was this like a club where there was a lot of guys with open shirts and waxed chests? It was and... more terrible than you can even imagine. Spiky it was, hair. It was waxed chests, spiky hair, um, just like greasy douchebags. Full on like Night at the Roxbury guys. Lots of sunglasses inside. Of it was course. like almost a requirement <laughs> to be wearing your sunglasses in this pitch black, like horrible dance club. Hey, let me ask you this. When did guys start doing this thing of wearing their sunglasses backward on their they head? They were all wearing, if they weren't wearing them on the front of their face, they were wearing them around the back of their head. Why Why? Why have guys started to do that? Where? When did the memo come out about that? I mean, it's almost better just to go back to doing that thing of wearing the sunglasses around your neck with the weird clothy lanyard that mm-hmm. goes around that clips onto the earpieces. I mean, at least then you're just being honest about the fact that you don't know what to do with them. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but every uh, there was a, some sort of uh, some sort of a command that went out from the mothership about six months ago that every man you go to Lloyd Center and it's nothing but that you walk around and it's just douchebag guys who have their glasses backward on their head. And it's like one day no one did that. Next day, everyone did it. It's all very confusing. So we'll talk to uh, Sarah Dillon about that later on. We'll do uh, our Mad Men recap from last night, True Blood recap as well. This is Tim Riley at the News Desk. In the News with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center downtown Portland, 526. It's going to be partly sunny today, highest near 80. A woman in the coupe was almost dropped at a gas station on East Mill Plain Boulevard. 
The crook pulls a gun, gets her wallet, and demands to be driven to an ATM. Of course, there were several people standing around there who immediately call 911, and the bad guy just runs away. A Kelso man is dead after falling from his wheelchair. A woman is pushing him around, stops for a minute to shoo some dogs away. As she's letting go of his wheelchair, he tumbles down a hillside. Meanwhile, uh, because nobody noticed it, we will tell you that it was uh, music legend Michael Jackson's 51st birthday. In honor of that, thousands of his fans across the globe took part in a variety of celebrations. In Vegas, the Palms Casino paid tribute by awarding him a star on their newly added Walk of Fame. They had a busy weekend because they were dimming the side of their building, the Palms. They were busy. Mm -hmm. They dimmed out the P, the L, and the S, and it just said AM for DJ AM. Uh, who, uh, what was, was that Friday? It must have been Friday. Then. It was Friday. Yeah. Well, that caught me off guard. That was, uh, I was standing um, with uh, Andrew from the promotions department here, and we were getting ready to take the listeners, you know, back for the Nickelback thing. And I got a text message from, from Chris Neathen, and it just, you know, the summer of death continues, DJ AM. And it was one of those things that he, just the tone and the, the way he said it, I immediately knew it was true. I didn't even, I almost didn't even have to double check it. And then I went online. But here's a phrase you don't want to have associated with you. Shirtless and surrounded by pills. And I think uh, also a little bit uh, bloated if and, the news stories are to be. And the crack. Oh, and a crack pipe, too. So well, Now they're saying it was an accidental overdose, not a suicide. What's the difference, really? There's really not That's much difference bad at all. for him. He just seemed really sad. All well, the time. I ended, you know, well, his name the, was really Adam Goldstein. And the thing about it is, is that I think he had already beaten a, a, an addiction to prescription drugs. But there's nothing like being set on fire in a plane crash to reignite your uh, your love of Vicodin or you know whatever. Did you ever see that reality show he was on? It wasn't Celebrity Rehab. It was um, it was called you know like Quitters or something. It was one of those things where the people are trying to get over their their drug addictions. And he had been on there not as a guy trying to get clean, but as a, a sort of like counselor or whatever because mm-hmm. he'd. He'd been addicted to crack. He had been addicted to crack. And then he had been on um, the prescription drugs, and he was hooked up. He was like a boozer or whatever. But he'd been clean and sober for three years, so they had him on the show as a guy who'd sort of been there and was able to tell you about, you know, one day at a time and one foot in front of the other, and here's my 90-day coin and all of that stuff. And there's the creepiest scene, which you will probably see played over and over again for the next week or so, where he's on this rehab show, and he's talking about there's somebody there who had a crack problem, and he was like, well, you know, I used to smoke crack all the time, and then I got over it, and it's it's a tough road and whatever. And at one point, he's holding a crack pipe on the show, and he actually sort of just staring at it, and he says... Wow, this is the first time I've held a crack pipe in three years. And it's like he's just sort of lingering his gaze on the crack pipe. Wow. And that's the first thing I thought of when they said was found naked, shirtless, next to a crack pipe. I met him once uh, a couple of years ago down in downtown Portland. I went to some, I don't know, fancy soiree where I met like Greg Oden and stuff. And DJ AM was DJing and he it was, he was awesome. I, I met him. He was a really nice guy and uh, the music was really rad. And it's also like the third celebrity that they reference on Entourage. I was watching an Entourage rerun the other day and they were talking about Heath Ledger's new project. And there's that episode from, I think, the third season where Turtle is trying to get the new pair of Nike whatevers. And he ends up and the only way he can get them at the end is to have. It's like the store owner ends up having to like have DJ AM come come DJ his sister's birthday party. There's something, but there's all there's some like extended cameo from DJ AM. Um, but it's, I mean, it was he's one and of those he's guys dated, you, like the hottest chicks too. And yeah, you know, he's one of those guys you just don't really think about dying. I mean, you know, if you made a list of the celebrities you thought were probably going to cack it over the weekend, uh, he would not have been there. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Banks that benefited most of the massive bailout last fall are giving it all back and then some. Uh, Uncle Sam uh, turned a $4 billion profit so far as the eight biggest and healthiest banks 
came back to pay back these loans. Goldman Sachs alone paid $1.4 billion in interest, with Morgan Stanley close at its heels with $1.3 billion in interest paid. So we're making money off this, finally, so it has been a good thing. The $4 billion doesn't include 14 smaller banks that have repaid the government's investment in them. The total shelled out so far under the Troubled Asset Relief Program is $240 billion, and most of that is still outstanding. The Treasury faces its scariest risks with failed insurance companies like AIG, home lenders Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, plus carmakers GM and Chrysler. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, don't ask me why they're doing this now, but cops in Contra Costa, California, now say that this guy who kidnapped J.C. Lee and uh, fathered two small children may have also killed prostitutes in the 1990s. So they're investigating that. Apparently, in the same area, several prostitutes disappeared. So uh, they're digging around this house right now. So that's kind of interesting. Yesterday, they combed Garrido's backyard where uh, this uh, girl, J.C., and her two daughters, allegedly fathered by Garrido, were said to have lived in the wooded compound of tents and sheds. They also used cadaver dogs and searched an adjoining property. Well, this guy served as a caretaker for a time. You know what? I don't get about this because I, uh, the, I think it was the Daily News or the News of the World, some British tabloid, because they're always the first on the scene to, you know, to cross the appropriate palms with silver to get photos of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had a bunch of shots of the inside of the tent. And I mean, it's nothing like especially vile. It's just, it's just depressing because it's, you know, it's like a dumpster in there. I mean, it's basically just, um, like when you hear about those uh, those old people that go senile and nobody figures it out for a few years, and then they have to go to their house and it's like stacks of newspapers and their own feces everywhere. That's kind of what it looked like. It was just junk. It was it was it was very much it was very much like the sort of back room of a goodwill of stuff that they didn't deem appropriate for sale that they were eventually just going to take to the landfill. It was just room after room of that, just clutter, and it was just dirty and gross and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't get is everybody's talking about well, why couldn't the girl have just you know, told somebody who she was. And if we can sort of take it as read that she was brainwashed or whatever, I mean, I can get that. But what I don't understand is early on why she wasn't able to uh, to get away because, like, it's just a tent, right? I mean, a tent is just canvas. Mm-hmm. So I don't get, I mean, I'm not, like, saying it's her fault or anything. Like, I'm just well, wondering. Well, psychologically broken her, like. Yeah. But, I mean, early on, I, I though. Mean, there, are, there are ways of doing that, and I, he probably did. No, 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 I don't dispute any of that. I mean, clearly, I mean, the, the everybody sort of acknowledges the fact that, you know, that you, you know, you keep somebody with you for, and I think, I saw this whole uh, this whole thing about Jonestown a while back when they were doing that, Soledad O'Brien was doing the Jonestown 20 years after, 40 years after, whatever it was, and they were talking about how easy it is to brainwash somebody. My thing, though, is, is that early on he had her, and then he had those two kids as well, and they're in this weird tent city, which by definition it seems like a thing that is it is not very sturdy. You know, it's not very. It's not like she was walled into a compound. He was obviously afraid that she would get away because the front of it locked up, mm-hmm. and also there was like this weird fenced-in sort of cage area out front that they're thinking may have been used for some sort of punishment zone, and so I'm wondering why it is. That that stuff didn't, A, decay over the years, or why he wasn't concerned. He must have been able to brainwash her, like, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't seem like a tent is very secure. You can't be keeping somebody inside right. a tent. I mean, you can just cut through that with, you know, with a set of keys or something. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, the whole thing is, there's, I think there's a whole lot more that's going to come out about that. Because it's, especially that you have conflicting reports from the neighbors, that half the neighbors are saying they heard the sound of kids, but they didn't think it was their business. And half the neighbors have immediately said, no, 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 there was no noise of any kind at all. So I'm thinking that you're going to hear a lot more, and also that the mom... Uh, the wife had more to do with this than uh, than has been reported, because right. otherwise it uh, it doesn't seem like that's a one man operation. That's right. that's not a thing that one guy can do all by himself.
Right ahead, we'll have more from Tim Riley coming up at 7 o'clock. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. At 8 o'clock, Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill and a pair of tickets to see Blink-182. You stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunions hurt. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up uh, later on, we'll give away a pair of tickets to see Blink-182 uh, September 9th. That is next week. Uh, so we're going to be listening for that. pair passes to Halloween 2 as well. And a copy of Rescue Me Season 5, Volume 1 on DVD. Coming up at 7 o'clock as well, we'll talk to uh, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian about the weekend wrap-up, the box office, and a, uh, a Mad Men recap as well. Lisa Desjardins joining us from the Hill at 8 o'clock. And I have... Uh, the world's best Neil Diamond song, which I will tie in to Mad Men uh, sometime in the next hour. Is it a new Neil Diamond song? No, 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 no. It's a classic Neil Diamond song, Sarah. One that you may not be familiar with, but one that you will immediately love. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center downtown Portland, 546. It's going to be sunny today, high temperatures near 80. Three guys are lucky to be alive after their boat capsized off of Newport, and they were miraculously washed back to shore. The boat flips over. They hang on for a while, then let go. Then a giant wave pushed them back. They're all alive. It was like the hand of God rescuing them. Yes, one of those things. Uh, Then we have a woman who died after driving off a 142-foot ravine near West Lynn. Sarah McVeigh's boyfriend became concerned when he didn't hear from her on Saturday. So he drove along the route she frequented until he came across an area where blackberry bushes had been disturbed. Stops his car, looks over, finds her car at the bottom of a ravine. Well, you know, and Oregon is just full of those things, too, where you're driving along some windy mountain road and you realize either, A, if you just had it in your head to steer off the side of the road because you were feeling depressed at that moment. Oh, we can't talk about that. Or, B, you know, or if you just lose control of the car or, God forbid, there's, I mean, like you go out to, like, Malala or something or, you know, you're driving out to Silverton or any of those places. I don't know how any, they must just sort of say F it once the first snow comes in. Because no matter how much plowing or how much whatever you do out there, there's there's no way that I would be taking any of those roads. And God forbid that you're going around one of those corners and somebody else has decided to come around that same corner at a high rate of speed, which does seem to, to be the mode of transportation out there. It's like the narrower and windier the road and the less stable the structure on either side of the road is and the more the shoulder just immediately turns into a cliff that plunges you 500 feet the more likely it is that there's going to be a logging truck coming the other way who will be in the middle of the lanes and he'll be going 75 miles an hour because he's late for delivering a load of spruce somewhere. It seems to be it's like a requirement if you're going to be driving in that part of the, uh, the city. Hey, by the way, did you see this thing that Bob Dylan's putting out a Christmas album? Oh, God. This, I mean, it's a free with a set of four white wall tires and Les Schwab's. Victoria's Secret Lingerie. It'll go right next to my Colonel Sanders Christmas album. You all can just insert your own uh, wacky radio you know, comedy bits in your head at home about him going like, pum, 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 or whatever. But it says here from uh, the BBC News, folk legend Bob Dylan will release his first ever album of Christmas songs with royalties going to charity. His record label is confirmed. Tracks on... 
Christmas in the heart. Due out 13th of October uh, will include Winter Wonderland and, yes, Little Drummer Boy. Columbia Records said U.S. royalties from the sale of the album. Boy, that Bob Dylan, he's cutting edge. Will uh, go to the Feeding America charity, the fund which provides food security to people in need. Hopes to feed 1.4 million people. This is the way they always get you to buy things like this, by the way. Something that you would never buy otherwise is they say that it's going to children. Is it a portion of the fee or is it the fee? Uh, royalties from the sale of the album, which will go to Feeding America Charity. So, I, so th- will this feed them once? I don't really know. Like breakfast the, and that's it for the rest of their lives. So it really doesn't help that much. Uh, Dylan's 47th studio album will also include Here Comes Santa Claus and Hey, It Must Be Santa. That is awesome. And here's the thing. That's, that really is too bad. No, but the, but he the, broke my heart, though, when he did those like skeezy Victoria's Secret commercials a few mm-hmm. years ago. But the irony That's when is, I, separated. I will totally buy this, though, because I want to hear Bob Dylan singing Here Comes Santa Claus. I mean, I'll buy that without any without any hesitation at all. And I and, and it's not like I dislike Bob Dylan. I don't. In fact, I was listening to, to some Bob Dylan. I was listening to the Blood on the Tracks this weekend, actually, by, by sheer coincidence. So it's not like I got some issue with Bob Dylan. But there's just certain things that, look, there's certain things Bob Dylan ought not to do. And then there's certain Christmas albums that shouldn't be made, and this is sort of the, where the twain meets, the two of those right there. All right, anyway, so uh, Bob Dylan, the Christmas record. Oh, incidentally, uh, over the weekend I was at this, uh, there was a swap meet happening, like a rummage sale thing at that Eagles Lodge on uh, like oh, 50th, 50th and Hawthorne. And I bought, it was a, um, I bought two things. I bought A, the Cabbage Patch Dolls record from 1983 on vinyl. We had a listener, actually, her name was uh, Marty. And Marty's a listener of ours, and she was selling, you know, she kind of collects bric-a-brac, as they say, and then she comes and she sells a lot of it at rummage sales. And she had this huge record collection that she was selling, and a lot of it was sort of great, bad, wonderful, terrible music. I bought from her uh, the Christmas, uh, the uh, Cabbage Patch Dolls record, and then I, uh, there was a double album of aerobic workouts, uh, like aerobics workout songs, but it was sort of redone versions of songs in the aerobic style. For example, there was Stand By Me, but it was sort of a two and three and lift and run and and then somebody wailing Stand By Me in the background. So I'll be playing selections from that throughout the week. Anyway, so Bob Dylan, the Christmas album coming soon. Here's Tim Riley. That sounds fantastic. Well, Dick Cheney is mad that the president is stopping the CIA from torturing people. He said it's hurt a lot of uh, feelings at the agency and uh, will be a major setback for morale there. It's an outrageous uh, political act that um, will uh, do great damage long term to our capacity to be able to have people take on difficult jobs, make difficult decisions. Meanwhile, uh, John McCain uh, is uh, going against Dick Cheney this time around, saying it is really bad to torture people. The interrogations were in violation of the Geneva Conventions and the Convention Against Torture that we uh, ratified under President Reagan. I think that these interrogations, once publicized, helped al-Qaeda recruit. Meanwhile, McCain says uh, you don't have to torture people to get information, just ask politely. That information, according to the FBI and others, could have been gained through other methods. Boy, how much does that grandfather on Mad Men look like John McCain, though? He does. I mean, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves. We'll wait until uh, 7 o'clock to do the, the Mad Men recap. But that grandfather's actually terrifying. I mean, I found him very unnerving last night. Every time he would sort of, like when the girl would walk by the room and he'd say, You, get in here! And He's I would, an old bootlegger. Well, that's, I mean... He comes from that generation of grandparents that are scary. You know what I mean? And I don't know that that's the case anymore. I, I think we we might be past the age of terrifying grandparents. I had a scary grandpa. But it was like that scary, like, scary, but he loves you. That sort of mm-hmm. a, you know, hey, Sarah, 
How are you doing? Be careful out there. Have a good time. You know, and you, just like wandering around in the backyard. And it, like he sort of like he really cares about you, but they get the feeling he might just beat your ass for, for no reason. You know, except to demonstrate said affection in some way. Um, oh, final thought on this Bob Dylan Christmas album, oh, uh, by the way, before I, before I put this down. With it? No, this no, no. My heart break away every time you mention that. No, but see, but you, but as you said, you must be over the. I guess I'm separated, but I mean, like, he just keeps disappointing me over and over. See, and I, you, for me, it's like you got to, you, you got to just separate in your head a, the era that you care about from the from everything after that. Well, I guess I really don't care about him as a person. Like I started to read uh, his autobiography, uh, No Direction Home, and I realized that he's vastly unlikable. And that's why. Oh just, no, he's an ass. Like, no, he's a total ass. And I started reading. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just keep him yeah. separate from the music that I love. No, you have to just embrace the you know the the myth in those cases because guys like that it only it goes one of two ways. Either a you know, the celebrity or the rock star, the musician, whoever it is you grow up idolizing, A, they're a dick, mm-hmm. or B, you realize that they're not that bright. Or often, in the worst case scenario, some confluence of the two, where sometimes they're just kind of thick. It's like I was, you know, I've had to do that with Alice Cooper. I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. I really am. But I saw him um, uh, last, I hate to even say these words out loud, but I was watching some tour footage or whatever, some some DVD or some TV special. He was touring somewhere last year for this record he put out. And, and you know, and I, and I really respect that guy in a lot of ways because he, Alice Cooper is one of those guys like Kiss or The Stones or somebody who could just tour on the same three songs every year. He could tour for the rest of his life playing 18 and Billion Dollar Babies and School's Out. And, like, that's all he would need to do. To be, he continues to turn out a new record about every 18 months. It's like Woody Allen. Woody Allen could just be famous for Annie Hall in Manhattan forever. But he puts out a movie a year. So I really have all the respect in the world for Alice Cooper in that way. But there was, I think, MTV News or somebody was doing some sort of, you know, legendary rock, you know, shock rock icon. Alice Cooper continues to tour with blah, blah, blah. We caught up with the master of mayhem in Denmark. And... They show him on stage, and he was right before the election, and he was he was saying something about how uh, saying something about how Barack Obama supporters were traitors and should be tried for treason. Oh. And at that point, I just kind of went mute off, and I just, you know, and then I did like a mental delete in my head of reformatting that section of my mental drive, so I didn't have to think about it anymore. But celebrities, they, the musicians, go through this phase where there's a checklist of things they will do at a certain point in their career. So when you have reached, let us say. The twilights of your popularity path. You will A, do a Christmas record. B, put out a Greatest Hits compilation. C, put out a Greatest Hits compilation with two new songs. Uh, D, put out the obligatory live album. Uh, E, put out the album of covers. Or F, ABBA covers. No? no well, you'll, or you'll do a tribute to somebody else. Yes. Or F, You'll do whatever Clear's new album uh, is. What do you suppose Everclear's new album consists of, Sarah? If I were to ask you right now, what do you... Uh... Dance mixes of their number one hits. <laughs> you were so close, though. Really? That's the thing. You're so unbelievably close with that guess, which I know was made in jest. The new Everclear album apparently is just re-recordings of all their old songs. So they haven't done the Christmas album, although they probably have done a single or two. They've done oh, the compilation. Done I'm pretty sure they've done the live album. I think think they've done covers, but I might be wrong about that. It might just be that they've done enough covers as B-sides that the inevitable cover compilation will come out at some point. The new Everclear record, though, is apparently just, uh, it's just them re-recording all their own songs. So, there you go. Just, uh, Did I tell you I saw Art Alexakis walking down the street the other day? Really? Yes. Did he, what was he doing? It was right when, uh, um, 
This has happened a few times now, but it, it was right when I was like tuning through stations on the radio, and I uh, heard an Everclear song on the radio, and then all of a sudden I see a blonde head bobbing down the street. I'm like, it's like you conjured him, strange. And I look, at he's carrying just this big box of crap, and he has. And I look, and sure enough, it's him, all like stick thin with his blonde hair and his sunglasses, just walking down the street. Yeah. So I think I'll uh, I'll uh, have more details on that when that record comes out. But uh, apparently, that's in the offing for my friends and everything. Are we going to be playing some samples from that record? Sure. Why not, Sarah? All right, coming up later on, we'll have Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian here. We'll talk about the weekend box office, last night's Mad Men. We'll recap last night's episode of uh, True Blood as well, and a pair of tickets to see Blink-182. Stay there. We return after this. The Rick Emerson Show is live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. It's a Rick Emerson show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up later on this hour, Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk, ladies and gentlemen. All the news and happenings from the world of sport. Uh, Christy Turnquist for the Oregonian will join us at 7 o'clock. We'll recap the weekend box office. We'll talk about last night's episode of Mad Men, which was awesome. Uh, 8 o'clock, Cena Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill. We'll talk about the uh, line of succession behind Ted Kennedy and what happens now. We've also got a pair of tickets to see Blink-182 that we're going to be giving away at some point during today's show. And a pair of passes to see Halloween, too. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on your Monday morning. You're not going to believe this, but you'll hear it with your own ears. No! Dick Cheney Ah. admits... He liked Ted Kennedy. Awesome. Meanwhile, uh, Miley Cyrus says she's learning from her mistakes one by one. And uh, we'll have more on the death of DJ AM. And by the way, so Sarah went to a bachelor party on Saturday. And you were, was this downtown? Was this sort of by that House of Louis? Uh, yeah, so part of town. It, it was actually kind of right. I, I won't specify the business, but it was actually right near uh, that Ron Jeremy Swingers Club. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, I understand. So it's, it's right in that same area. So when did you? How long did your evening last? When did you leave, and when did you come home? Um, so we all met up on Hawthorne uh, at about eight o'clock. Had a couple cocktails up there, and then all piled on a bus um, with uh, sodas. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, decided and rode downtown. So we got downtown, went to this club, walked in. First of all, there's like a line outside with like twelve year olds. My first question was like, "Is this a like an all ages club?" It was Shouldn't disgusting. you be at home, young lady? It was disgusting. So we Do finally your parents know that you're here shaking your groove thing. <laughs> so we get in there. We're in this club. It's horrible. There are all these like gross guys there, all of them wearing sunglasses, spiky hair, smells like. Uh, you know, Stetson. Everywhere. And they're all kind of shiny. All those, they're all super shiny. The guys who go to those clubs, they all look shiny, and their skin always looks as though they've just had some sort of plastic surgery it's that's all left like really them with... It's really taut. It, I was just going to say taut. That's exactly the thing. They all look like they've got a little too... Like, uh, like they've had one whack too many taken out of the skin, and it's just a little bit too tight, and it doesn't quite fit over their structure the way they needed to. Oh, no, no, that's exactly those like, guys. They were playing like music producer. Like yeah. they all like look like they were trying to play. They music. all look like they're trying to be Scott Storch. Oh, that's okay. the thing about those guys. That is exactly it. Everyone, no, Scott Storch is the absolute model for every one of those guys that you run into at some like music club downtown. There were hundreds of them yeah. there. So uh, as the night progresses, we're there. My friends are dancing. I'm finding any excuse I can to like go outside and leave the room and come back in. I come in, I'm standing against a wall. I look and there's this really enormous girl. I mean, you know, God bless you, be whatever size you want. But she's big. And uh, she's wearing this little tiny dress. Of course. 
And there's this, like, you know, orange guy that she's leaning on, you know, orange <laughs> with the spiky hair with, like, the unbuttoned shirt and stuff. And she's turning and grinding on him. Uh, and she's, like, wow. five feet away from me. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, this is really gross. What could make it grosser? She lifts up her dress and starts rubbing herself on him. And she's wearing, like, one of those, like, tea. When you say uh, rubbing herself, you she's, mean the front or the back? The back. All right. Her back on his front. And uh, so she's wearing... So it's like he's giving her the Heimlich, and she's also looking for a contact lens. That is exactly it. Okay. And she's wearing one of those, you know, like, tea thong things, I could tell, because she, like, turns around with her butt hanging out, and then turns back around. Takes it down. Ah! And then continues to rub on him. And well, of course. I, I could Where not was even. This? Was this outside? It or was, was inside it... in this club, but it was like, it was brightly lit and everyone's, you know, like grinding at each other. And all those girls are doing that gross, like, butt, you know, like butt dancing where they're like rubbing into some stranger. It was so wrong. There's so much I don't understand. First of all, you have to know that I can't remember the last time I was at a, like a club or a, did they kids say club now? Is that what it's called? I, is it a club or is it a bar? Is it a, a dance? Hey, I guess Greg. It's a dance club. Greg Nibbler, you're, uh, you're, you're young at heart. Uh, why, uh, what do the kids, what do the kids call that now? Like if you're going out to a place that plays a, you know, the, the dance music, is it a club? It's not a, called a bar. Oh, he can't hear. Oh, he's not able to hear us. Yes. All right. Well, it's it's juke joint. It's what juke. It's what we used to call a discotheque. Anyway, but I mean, it would be one thing if that was outside, like in an alley. No, you know, at least is, showing she had a sense of shame. This is inside, like checkerboard floor. You know, like disco ball and like you know. I seven- love the idea that she stops though. Like, hold on, this would be so much better if I pull up a skirt, baby. And then she's continuing the grinding, and then a bit later, it's ah, no, that's still not hold no, on. No, me, I'm, I'm still too constrained. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find just the right layer of contact here. I this is like the princess and the pea. I don't know. Hold on a second. Let me pull my pants and my maybe pull my skirt up and my and my underwear down. And yeah, she's in the middle of all these people and like everyone's just screaming, having like the best time. And there are like all these silly white boys everywhere. Of and, course. And one of them, uh, we kept taking pictures in front of this guy, like pretending we were taking pictures of ourselves just to get his hair. Just to get his shot in the uh, his yeah, face in the just shot. Just to get his hair because he was wearing like this shiny silver shirt and he was like. You know, trying to look all badass, you know, walking around all thug-like with his sunglasses on. But had spiky blonde hair with the, you know, the blonde tips. And then checkerboard shaved into, like, his entire bottom of So his guys head. are still shaving things into their hair? Like, white guys are still shaving guy, the design into the sides of their head? This guy was, you know, and there was all these, like, girls with little short skirts and just these horrible songs playing. It was hell. I finally, I just had to wait outside. I'm just like, I, I'm like, I'm too old or I don't, I just don't get it. I'm like, I can't be in here. I hate to sound like another old guy here, but were kids doing that, the grind style dance when you were in high school? No. I mean, was that a thing that, that took place? Because they talk about that now as though it's, as though it's a recent development. But I think just like skanks have always been skanks. Well, there used to be like face to face rubbing up on each other, but there was never like the real turnaround thing. When you say face to face rubbing, what do you mean? Well, you know how like kids would do like the. But not like a sexy face to face rubbing. Yeah, not not sexy face to face, but you know, like they would get close together. Well, yeah, front well, to front. well, of course, yeah, because it would like, yeah. If but you were no, gonna... the, the front to back never was happening. But not a, not a not a not where your pelvises are, are shoved together. That's a no. that's a thing that I. I mean, it was not like I'm passing judgment. I'm not a prude or anything. I'm just saying it's it. Uh... It was just a weird like um, like mating ritual. Just watching these people, they were so different from like who I am. It, I just didn't understand it really. Right. Especially some, you know, some big chick who's taking down her underwear in the middle of a bar. <laughs> you know what to make me even sexier is if everybody can see my acres of flesh. All right.
Uh, straight ahead, we'll talk balls with Greg Nibbler, ladies and gentlemen. As we uh, we uh, recap the weekend sports action. Uh, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here at 7 o'clock. We'll talk about last night's Mad Men and weekend box office. Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill at 8 o'clock. We'll discuss Ted Kennedy, the line of succession, and what comes next in the world of politics. Plus, Blink-182 tickets. Stay there. Greg Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Where I come from, it is normal to be gay. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It is Monday, August 31st, 2009. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll talk about the weekend box office and last night's Mad Men with Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. At uh, 8 o'clock, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us. Between uh, now and then, we have a copy of Rescue Me, Season 5, Volume 1 on DVD. We're going to be giving away at some point. And before the end of the show, tickets to see Blink 182. Somebody asked if I'm going to post my picture of me uh, with the Nickelback guys. I should tell you it's the worst photo of me ever taken. Because I was, it was uh, two different things were happening. One, like with the Nikki Six photograph, I was still trying to figure out what face to make when the guy snapped the photo and said, "Thanks, next." And I was like, "But I didn't." Ah, crap! And you realized you can't be the one to ask for a second photograph. What face you're gonna make? Well, you know, it's like, do I want to smile? Do I want to give like the metal look? Do I want to, you know, be blank? Do I want to look tough? You know? And I only ever have the one expression anyway. I don't know why I worry about it. But so I ended up doing this weird. It was like some metal Stephen Colbert where I've got like one eyebrow arched, but then I'm also doing like, devil horns. And then it was, again, it was kind of chilly on Friday. There was a little bit of a breeze coming up, so I brought up like the zip up, you know, like a like a zip like a sweater thing. And um, I have a black shirt and a black sweater, and I'm kind of posed in such a way that the sweater is kind of pulled out to the side like bat wings. So, but it's all the same colors. So it just makes me look fat. So I've got this. So I've got this arched eyebrow. My mouth is all askew. I'm doing devil horns, and I look like I'm about five feet across. And then I'm standing next to the Nickelback guys, who together probably weigh 200 pounds. I mean, all four of them. I mean, they're not, I mean, they're like, they're Canadian, you know, so they don't, you know, they're the picture of health. And uh, it's not my finest photograph. Paddock looks way better than I do. Well, you're going to have to suck it up and post it anyway. I will. I'll post it later so it can be uh, can be the object of scorn and ridicule. <laughs> Is there a photograph of you at the dance club on the, on Saturday? Please say yes. No, I don't believe so. I have lots of photographs of uh, the bus ride there and back. That was fun because on the bus there, um... Yeah, not so much the bus there, but the bus bus ride back. We had the entire bus singing share, if I could turn back time. Awesome. On the way home. <laughs> it is uh, the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. Tim Riley, uh, what headlines are you following for the people of Portland today? A huge blaze threatens 12,000 Los Angeles homes. A man steals a woman's car on their first date after skipping out on the bill. And look who got a job. Jenna Bush. She's going to be on television. Really? Yes. Will she be on uh, a channel that rhymes with Cinemax? NBC doesn't rhyme with anything. No, no, it does not. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, with your sports uh, knowledge and information for this Monday morning, it is Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk. All right. Well, uh, we had some UFC action this weekend, and Antonio Noguera defeated Randy Couture in a unanimous, unanimous decision on Saturday night. Randy Couture, of course, was here in the studio a few weeks ago uh, looking intimidating and scary, but apparently the other guy was bigger and stronger. But it went uh, for quite some time, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a first, a first no, round. No, no. It lasted quite a while, but uh, and it wasn't a knockout or anything like that, but it was a unanimous decision like a that decision. he did lose. Yeah. Were you the one that told me that there was... Um, 
You said that it was, there were records set and blood everywhere. Yes, there were oh. records set and apparently blood everywhere. So uh, the record set was a guy was knocked out in seven seconds, which apparently is the fastest time that anyone has ever been knocked out in a, in a UFC like knocked match. Knocked out cold? Knocked out just, cold, completely uh, on is, the ground, unconscious in seven seconds. That is fantastic. And I, we should say this point now, you're not much of a UFC fan. I am not a huge UFC fan. Now, what is fan. that that surprises me? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, really, it's it's. I'm not that into the to the dudes in the little tights. It just, it's not, I don't know. It doesn't seem that exciting to me. It seems like mostly every time I've ever tried to watch it, all it is they're rolling around on the ground. Well, see, that's the you know, I don't know. If, that's the thing about that's the thing about UFC is uh, about eighty percent of the matches. And I don't. And I'm not like a big UFC fan like I used to be when I was. But there was a I don't know, up up until probably five six years ago, I watched it a lot. And about eighty percent of UFC matches do end up. With just guys grappling onto each other, and then they fall onto the ground, and then it's just wriggling around, uh, you know, like they're wriggling yeah. around like a trout on a riverbank, basically waiting for the, for the, you know, for the judge or for the ref to call it and somebody make the decision. That's all just quick. That's all because of this guy named Hoist Gracie who devised that strategy as the way to win. His whole thing was you clamp onto a guy, and then he'll exhaust all his energy trying to get you off of him. But the problem is, once everybody started doing that. It's like the guy who figures out the one Mortal Mortal Kombat button combination yeah. and just mashes that over and over again. Every now and again, though, something like that seven-second knockout will happen. There's this guy that a lot of sort of old-school UFC fans remember, a guy named Tank Abbott. And I saw Tank Abbott fighting in the UFC one time, and it was the same thing. They started opposite corners of the octagon or whatever it is. They walk towards each other, and Tank Abbott immediately... Like, they meet in the middle, and he's swinging his elbow and elbows the guy in the teeth... The guy's done his back, and then immediately Tank Abbott is just going like, coo, 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 like with a typewriter, going across the top row of teeth, and I think had four teeth knocked out by the time the guy was you know, able to go. <laughs> and I mean, that's what you're watching for. It's the it's the one out of five matches like that. Yeah, and then the rest of it is just, uh, yeah, rolling around on the ground. Um, but apparently, though, something else did happen. A guy was kicked in the junk so hard that the fight had to be stopped for five minutes. Five minutes. He was rolling around on the ground, and I guess they had the doctors over there doing specific tests, which I don't know what those were. But, uh, yeah, five minutes the match was stopped for that, and uh, he did end up losing and probably will never Why, have he children. Can, but, he continued, but he continued to fight? He continued fighting, yes. I can only imagine what kind of excruciating pain he was going through. So it's like the one guy is a jujitsu master, and the other guy's the roll shambeau uh, <laughs> yes. master. All right. Kick me again. All right. So uh, in uh, Brett Favre news, he has, of course, reviled in the state of Wisconsin, and a radio station in Madison is taking advantage of that. They have started a campaign to collect old Brett Favre Green Bay jerseys from listeners and send them to Minneapolis homeless shelters, which is absolutely hilarious. Excellent. And uh, continuing on, uh, Portland Timbers have continued their unbeaten streak to 24, but they did it with an extremely boring 0-0 zero to zero tie with so, the Charleston Battery. Speaking of guys rolling around and not much happening. Yes. Uh, you know, this At least is, they're good-looking, don't have the big cauliflowers. Well, Steve Cronin did get his ninth shutout of the season, and uh, but this is why I have trouble getting into soccer. I mean, a 0-0 zero, zero tie, I want to enjoy soccer. But a zero zero tie that just doesn't really do anything for me. As I mean, Dan Rydell said, a modest proposal make the net bigger. Yes, something like that. I don't know. But uh, all right, and uh, college football season starts this week. One of the greatest times of the year for sports fans, including the U of O Boise State Thursday night opener, which will be nationally televised, and we'll be talking about that this week later on. And that is ball talk. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. This week. Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley. Top of the hour. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. And right now, if you're caller 10 at 503-228-4101, you're going to win a copy of Rescue Me Season 5, Volume 1 on DVD. That is from Sony Pictures Television for FX, available uh, as of September 1st. That is tomorrow, whenever fine DVDs are sold. Rick Emerson Show continues next.
share your thoughts with billions. Look at me, I'm not wearing my panties today. Aww. Aww. Call 503-228-4101. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. They're scouring, goose-stepping commies. That's what freaks me out about them. Sour pusses. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here. We'll talk about the weekend box office and last night's Mad Men. Coming up at uh, 7.20. I don't even know that I want to call it. It's the worst song you've ever heard because it's it's not that bad. Oh, and it's Neil. It's just fascinating. And it uh, ties into last night's episode of Mad Men. So that's coming up at 7.20. A, um, a quasi-terrible uh, song from our friend Neil Diamond. Uh, coming up at 7.40, more news with Tim Riley. 8 o'clock, Lisa Desjardins joins us from the Hill. And at 8.20 this morning, we'll recap last night's episode of True Blood, ladies and uh, gentlefolk. It's 503-228-4101. Plus, uh, sometime today, a pair of passes to see Halloween 2. And passes to see Blink-182. We're going to be uh, playing next week. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center. Downtown Portland, 641 nods. going to be partly sunny today. High temperatures, about 80 degrees. 200 skinny girls were seen standing in line in front of the Art Institute of Portland over the weekend, ready to strut their model stuff. The gazelle-legged group, as Christy Turnquist calls them, was responding to a call for aspiring models to kick off Portland Fashion Week. The city of Troutdale is ready for its 103rd birthday. Well, almost. The city fathers hope their centennial arch will be up on top of the celebration. I'm sorry. I thought we were... I didn't. I can't tell if this is all tied together. Is the Centennial Arch, is that part of the celebration of Portland Fashion Week? No, this is part of the, uh, the Troutdale 103rd birthday. All right. What is Portland Fashion Week? I mean, what does that consist of, other than gazelle-legged young ladies standing outside somewhere downtown? Isn't that enough? Do you ever go downtown, you drive by, and you see a long line of people waiting to get in somewhere, and you have that battle within yourself about whether you stop and ask them why they're all standing in line, but then you never do, because you realize that by rolling down the window, you're going to look like a jackass talking to them. Mm. Hey, what are you all waiting here for? And then, but it bothers you the rest of the day. I was at Lloyd Center a couple weeks ago, and across the street from Lloyd Center, there was a line of people that was around the freaking block. I mean, it was... I mean, it was probably half a mile long. And actually, I will t- to this day, it bothers me that I didn't stop to ask them what they were waiting for. But then you get all, like, weirdly self-conscious about it. So meanwhile, getting back to the Troutdale Centennial Arch, and I know you want to hear more about it. I do, Tim. Uh, the arch will have bronze salmon sculptures on it and the words Troutdale and Gateway Through the Gorge. If it's Troutdale, why does it have salmon sculptures? It's known for its salmon. But it's, okay. All right. But I've seen other arches in other towns that I've driven by. I think one was Fresh Prairie over the weekend. There was this huge arch going to the downtown shopping area and a, a big sign that's at Smoke Shop. Because it's, it's the gateway to, uh, to Brush Prairie. It's like being the gateway to Vernonia. All right. Another news. So uh, Dick Cheney has uh, found a new home on Fox News shows. And over the weekend, he was on Fox News Sunday, which sh- should surprise anyone. He was asked to uh, talk about Ted Kennedy. And Dick Cheney admitted, quote, personally, I liked him. In terms of policy, um, there's very little we agreed on. He was a liberal Democrat from Massachusetts. I was a conservative Republican from Wyoming. 
Um, so there, there wasn't much that we had to work. Since the beginning on. of Love Story, I, what I do you say so. about a Massachusetts liberal who died? He uh, repeated once again that he liked Ted Kennedy from Massachusetts. I admired uh, the fact that uh, he got into the arena as much as he did for most of his uh, professional life, and uh, and was uh, obviously a very active participant. I think you mean Massachusetts, Tim. Don't you? The People's Republic, that is a communist country, you know. Here's the thing. When Dick Cheney says that he liked Ted Kennedy, I believe him. I really do. I think... It's possible for Dick Cheney to like something uh, or somebody. My thing about Dick Cheney is that he's evil, but only in the sense of politics. I think he's one of those... I view Dick Cheney as one of those guys, kind of like Pat Buchanan... How, uh, you know, it's like when he gets in the ring, his job is, uh, you know, his job is to destroy you. His job is to leave you uh, battered and broken and bleeding and bruised on the mat. But as soon as you get out of the ring, I think that he's probably a pretty good guy. That's always been my sense of Dick Cheney. And I know it sounds weird for me to say that Dick Cheney seems like a good guy. But I think professionally speaking, he's probably loathsome and blackhearted and has no soul. And there's just a just a, an ice cold vacuum inside where normally feelings and emotions would be. I bet if you were to see him when he's off the clock, I bet he's not. I think he's probably one of those morning Sam, morning Ralph kind of guys where when five o'clock hits uh, that he and the coyote just, uh, you know, they walk home together and they get a beer or something. That would be my take. Look who's getting a job. Jenna Bush, who is now Jenna Bush Hager. And she's the hot one, right? She's the kind of one that looks yeah, like she's a the blonde trashy mm-hmm. one. Well, that no, but they're both. Is she blonde? Yeah, Jenna's the blonde one. And the other one's like a brunette. Who's the one that's a little, uh, a little heavy? Jenna. Yeah, see, that's what I'm. Maybe that's the, the way you well, yeah, because so now she's gonna look even bigger on television. The other, uh, the other Bush daughter's way too. She's bony. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks all. She's all pokerific. It doesn't look like it'd be pleasant. It looks like it'd just be on top of a be on top of a bag of coat hangers. But uh, but what's her name? Jenna Bush. And as uh, I have noted before, she looks a little bit like adult film star Brandy Taylor. Just enough that I uh, that I find her alluring. Well, you're about to see her on the NBC Today Show. She's going to be a correspondent. Does she do that thing where she works with children? Is that the thing? She's the special Don't needs teacher all. or something. But she's but you know she, she teaches I don't know, like autistic kids or, or some such. Let's see. Her first piece is expected to air sometime next month. Mm-hmm. Whatever that piece might be. All right. Uh, let's see. I have, oh, this is an interesting story. The first date went from bad to worse when the man skipped out on a restaurant bill, then stole his date's car. The cops say twenty-three-year-old Terrence McCoy. Had dinner with a woman at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in the Detroit suburb of Ferndale. The woman said the two met earlier at a Detroit casino. She only knew uh, him as Chris. Well, that wasn't his name. The woman told police that McCoy uh, left his wallet in his car. Oh, apparently he told her he left his wallet in his car and then asked for the keys to hers. So he sped away in her 2000 Chevrolet Impala. The police identified McCoy from a photo he sent to the woman's cell phone and his phone number. He's charged with unlawfully taking the car, which is a five-year felony. He waived a preliminary exam and was bound over for trial on Thursday. Fantastic. Oh, by the way, I meant to ask you guys this. I was reviewing my notes of things that I did this weekend, and I a couple things, just little sm- small bits of business. These have to do with nothing in particular. One, I have to give credit where credit is due because Chris Paddock came up with this, but we were at the Nickelback show on Friday. And first of all, just t- yeah, those guys must just rake in money hand over fist. And here's why, because that audience was like 60% female. And Lars Ulrich said, you know, he's like, when the crowd, when the house is half chicks, it's like, that's when you know you're making it. And I would say that probably six out of every 10 people at that Nickelback show uh, were female. It was all, it was like uh, uh, either gaggles of single girls, you know, like the Sex and the City sort of pod of girls that travels around everywhere together, or 
girlfriend, wife, there with boyfriend, husband. I think most of the guys who were there were there as part of a date. I could picture a lot of like young families. Like, it was people, and tons and of, of families. Kids. No, yeah. lots of kids too. That's the thing. What's that, Tim? Oh, maybe they were giving away passes at IKEA. Perhaps it was the Nickelback show can be summed up by the fact that every time a woman would go to lift up her shirt, the camera would wait until right as something was about to be exposed, and then they would just sort of cut away. Paddock had the best phrase though. He just looked around and he goes, "It's like I'm in Vancouver, Washington," which I uh, which I wrote down right here. Wow. So I'm going to be uh, using that going forward. But just this is my this is my one and only acknowledgement that that's not original. That is in fact from from Chris Paddock. So now you're going to pretend it's yours. Yes, yes, I am as of now. And then right below that, I wrote. Where do flies come from? Question mark. And I couldn't really remember why I'd written that down until you said something just a few minutes ago that triggered my memory, and I forget exactly what it was. Why do eggs. where do flies come well, okay, from? Okay, see, no, no, no. You say eggs, but that's not true. Isn't because, it, aren't they larvae? But don't they come from maggots? Isn't that the? Here's why. Here's why. The only reason I asked this. It's because Tim mentioned earlier, we were talking about those fly strip things. And you know what I'm talking about? They look like little rolls of film, and you hang them from a hook in the ceiling, and you pull them down, and it's mm-hmm. like a big sticky... It, they're, they're gross. It looks exactly like a film strip, uh, like you okay, used to that, take to the store to get sense. developed, mm-hmm. um, where it's a long strip of film that comes in a little canister, and you hang it from the ceiling, and it's like sticky and sweet, mm-hmm. I guess. And so the flies are attracted to it, and then they're stuck. It's like a roach motel, but you hang it from the ceiling. So... Over the weekend, I've long lamented that Lara and I have these weird moth-like creatures that are uh, in one of our cupboards, and I think it's because we spilled some dried oatmeal at one point, like two years ago, and it just it drew in these weird moth things that I think somebody said they're they're called tie flies or something like that, but we can't get rid of them. But now it's not just that. Over the weekend, I noticed that our place was filled with house flies. I mean, and not, I don't mean like like some sort of strange fly, fly or some unusual insect, just the regular house flies. And if there's one thing that bugs me, it's that sound that flies make when they're buzzing at a window pane. There's something about h- human evolution that uh, that flap, is... Flap, 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 flap. Well, it's not even... I suppose. I think you're thinking of birds. Um, but you know when flies make that sound as they're trying to get out a window oh, pane because yeah. they're not too bright and they don't realize it's glass. And it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. There's well, a certain... has a very tiny brain. There, but there are certain noises that just drive me crazy, and that's one of them. So I found myself swatting flies all this weekend, and then I realized I didn't have a fly swatter and blah, 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 blah. But there's all of these flies everywhere. They were just, they were omnipresent. And so Lara and I started asking ourselves. Is there something dead in your house? That, well, see, but this was our question is, where are they coming from? And so does that mean that there's like a big box of maggots like somewhere in the basement of our house? I mean, if you all have a lot of house flies in your place, does that mean that you have a lot of maggots in your house? Because I don't think I could take that. House flies. I didn't think the flies came from maggots. I thought they came from eggs. No, but don't maggots turn into flies? Greg, do maggots turn into flies at some point? Yes, they do. See, that's because maggots, I think, are the, it's like, um, isn't that like a caterpillar into butterfly deal? Yeah, I think it's something like that. I'm not exactly sure how that process works, but yeah, the, yeah, maggots turn into flies. It's like oh, some... Eggs, eggs turn into maggots turn into flies. Yeah, so it's like some horrible variation on the um, pupae, then chrysalis, then butterfly. Uh, thing, but it's uh, but instead it's just like in the house flies that bug me. Anyway, so, Ew, so you have a house full of maggots. Uh, see, but that was my question. That's what Lars said. She said, "Where are all these flies coming from?" Because we typically have never had house flies. We have are these they little moths condensed to a certain area. Uh, no, there's some in my home office, and there's a couple in the you know some in the living room. There were some in the kitchen, but it's like we don't have like old fruit or food or anything laying around. We have a lot of like garbage that's been sitting there. There's nothing obvious that would be attracting them. I checked the basement. There's nothing in the basement. So I can't figure out why they're there, but it's like our house over the weekend is filled with house flies. 
And I'm doing that thing of swatting them with my hand because I've... You I should did, get a fly gun. It's the funnest thing ever. I had a fly gun and that thing didn't work. Oh. It, it bugged me, but what you know what? I totally used it and it worked. Now, the fly gun is a thing. It uh, It's like a spring-loaded dart gun that shoots a little fly swatter, basically. It's like it has a round fly swatter. And you put it on the end and you shoot it like a dart gun. It is amazingly fun. And oh, it, it's, it works It's like for a me. stun gun for flies. Now, yeah, but it, it's what? a suction cup kind of thing that's attached to a string. And you get up close to the fly and shoot it. And it knocks the fly down off the wall and either kills it or makes it unconscious and you can scoop it up. It's not away. even really, yeah, stun gun. It is like, it is like a, a thing that shoots a, a fly swatter like and fun. smashes the fly. Totally Let's get some fun. flies in here with some of those guns. You out. know what I used to have? <laughs> I used to have one of those uh, electrified fly swatters. It looks like a little tennis racket, except it's strung with metal, with wire. And you press the button. Have you guys seen those? Mm-mm. No. Oh, it's awesome. It, it's l- All the ones that you can electrocute them? Yeah, and you hit them in midair, and that way you don't have to actually kill them with the force of the blow. All you have to do is touch them with the metal wiring, and it goes, and then they spark, and then they're dead. And uh, I had one of those, and then it stopped working at some point, and then I couldn't find them. I, I wouldn't think they, want to be near you if you had one of those. I think they took those off the market, though. I think there must have been some incident with a kid in a bathtub or something, mm-hmm. because they those don't exist anymore. So I realize... After I've killed, like, the 15th fly with my bare hands. Ew. Well, you know, because I didn't have a fly swatter. I realized I didn't have a fly swatter. So I go to the store to buy a fly swatter. And while I'm there, just on impulse, I bought a four-pack of those fly strip things. Because I realized I've never actually used them. I've only ever seen them in bad restaurants where you go into a bathroom and it's just hanging there. So if you go into my house uh, today, as, you know, maybe you will, uh, you'll see those. I've actually got one in the basement, one in my office, one in the kitchen, and uh, one in the bedroom. Just you know, like to amuse myself uh, to see if they actually work. Because I'm excited to head home to see if you can't. I am, actually. That's the weird <laughs> thing about it, because you only ever see those in movies or like in old photographs. Like in the 60s, people would use those. I've never actually seen... I was kind of amazed that they sold them. I didn't think you'd be able to buy a fly strip. I thought it would be such outdated, disgusting technology. And then I did that thing of it. I hung one up, and then it immediately it fell off the ceiling, and it landed on me. And so if you'd walked in at a certain point yesterday, you would have seen me in my office on top of a chair teetering as I'm wrapped up in a fly strip. But then, it, but then it prompted the question of, like, where are the flies coming from? And Laura said, she said the same thing you said. She said, well, they come from eggs. And I said, no, 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 that's not true. They come from maggots, which I think originally come from eggs. Well, but then if, doesn't that mean, like, it doesn't A equal C? That's, don't they come from eggs? That is what mathematicians... Mathematicians? Mathematicians. That is what math folks would call the transitive property, Sarah. Mm-hmm. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. So if I'm always having house flies, does that mean that I'm always having maggots around? That's what I think. So I'm wondering, now my whole... Your house could be on an ancient Indian burial ground. But see... And, and how do you know who lived there before you? There could be some dead body wrapped up underneath the porch. And I feel like the, uh, I feel like the house is sort of booby-trapped now, because I'm going to open the wrong cupboard or the wrong door at some point, and it's just going to be... Just gonna be a, just gonna be a, just a box full of wriggling yeah, unpleasantness. Like rip up your carpeting or anything. Oh no, no, I don't think so. I'm just saying. hardwood floors. It could be there. like the haunting in Connecticut, where your walls are just full of bodies. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I seem to be having this issue. I don't know the uh, the walls are uh, the walls are bleeding, and uh, every now and again the toilet is just filled with tiny tiny bones. I um, can I get my deposit back? Thank you. All right. Well, anyway. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Christy Turnquist from the uh, Oregonian. We'll talk about the weekend box office. Last night's episode of Mad Men coming up at 8 o'clock. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. And before the end of the show, passes to see Blink 182. We're live from downtown Portland City. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. That sound can only mean one thing. If you are Carla 10 right now at 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. 
It went a pair of uh, passes to see Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Now playing in a Regal Theater near you. Halloween 2, remember. Family is forever. Or so claim the copy points in front of me. Halloween 2, a pair of passes if you are a caller 10 at 503-228-4101. And I know that it... Uh, I know that it, it uh, diminishes my my relevance with the rest of my countrymen today, but I should tell you that I did not see Halloween 2 over the weekend. I'll see that at some point when I wander in by mistake to see something else. So I'm going to um, see it this week. I, uh, yeah. I will, I'll take that for the team. I'm, I'm excited. I you want to take that? Bullet. See, but... You know the weird thing is, is that like you are the exception, then that like proves the rule for for everybody else I know. Because I so desperately wanted to like the first Halloween, and it was like by the time the kid was sitting on the curb and they were playing "Love Hurts" by Nazareth and his mom was stripping for drug money or something, I just, I just shook my head sadly. I just wept. I think a lot of things. I think you uh, base a lot of your opinion on. The music that plays in trailers or in movies, and you let that judge whether or not you like something. I don't, well, I mean, that can certainly ruin. I mean, good music can make a scene and bad music can, I mean, can wreck like your, a scene. That's that was your one true. complaint about Star Trek, right? That you didn't like the music when, like, at the beginning when you um, saw the car. I uh, it was a minor point. I, I felt like the Beastie Boys thing kind of took me out of the movie until, though, somebody put it, until somebody said that it takes place in the future and he would just be listening to classic rock, mm. which sounds kind of corny, but that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I could totally see that. Now, my thing with Rob Zombie is, well, we should actually welcome at this point Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. Hello, Christy Turnquist. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning. Did you see Halloween 2? I missed it. Yeah. Do you I like mean, Rob Zombie movies? You know, I was I was <laughs> thinking about Rob Zombie over the weekend, and, and he's he's a regular Leonardo da Vinci of horror. He's just got his, his hand in all sorts of horror projects. What a guy. The thing about Rob and Zombie is that everybody oh, yeah. sort of likes... <laughs> Everybody likes Rob Zombie, and everybody kind of roots for him, even if they don't really care for his films. Now, Sarah uh, was a fan of... Were you a fan of House of a Thousand Corpses and, and Devil's Rejects? And Devil's Rejects, yeah. And I was, so I was talking to with the Court and Bobby about this, Court and Fatboy, and we were we were discussing how, you know, he's... You know, from our vantage point, anyway, he has not yet made, like, a, a really good quality film, but that we keep pulling for him, though, because we feel like he's got a good movie in him somewhere. I just haven't seen it yet. But I know I can sense that it's kind of coming from it's kind of coming from the right place. I just wish he could make a movie for once that didn't have hillbillies in it. I th- that was my thing. If he could, because it seems like like he got access to some day glow paint and a bunch of actors with no teeth, and then he just throws it at the screen, and then and then there's something from the seventies playing on the soundtrack, and then and then I go home sullen and bereft. Yeah. So, but that being said, I'm I, you know, I'm glad to see Malcolm McDowell getting work because he <laughs> plays Doctor Loomis uh, in the Halloween films, and you know it's good to see that guy getting a little. I was wondering this, though, about Malcolm McDowell, because he was, of course, in A Clockwork Orange. And I was watching the Halloween 2 trailer, and he's, he's doing that thing of standing at the podium and going, Michael Myers is dead. D-E-A-D, dead. And you wonder, how how is it that the guy who was the you know the lead droog in A Clockwork Orange is in Halloween 2? Yeah. And it's sort of like how, what's her name, Louise Fletcher, who won that Oscar for One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, was in Flowers in the Attic not too long ago. Yeah. And I think you must just reach a point of demarcation in your career where you say, well, that's it. There's no way back to the high road. I'll just uh, I'll just stay down here and just ring it for every cent I can. You know, I've thought that a lot about Malcolm McDowell, because he had quite, quite a great career going for himself there. Yeah. You know, working with Stanley Kubrick and, you know doing actually good performances in these films, and he was now on, he's only in Drek. You know what? He's, he was great on Entourage, though. Uh, I have to tell you, he yeah, played he Ari Gold's boss on Entourage, and I was a big fan yeah. uh, of that guy in that show. So yeah. we've got the uh, Mad Men recap that we will do coming up at 7.20. Let's talk about the, the weekend box office, though. What was the uh, top five? Uh, well, it wasn't Rob Zombie's movie. It was actually The Final Destination, and I have completely lost track of how many of these movies they make, and then they remake the first one, and it's all the same movie. 
Now, I was very unclear about this because there was no subtitle to it. It wasn't no. like Final Destination 5 or what. It was just called Final Destination. Yeah. Is it the actual first oh, no, it's film? It's called The Final Destination. Yeah, The Final Destination. Really? Like Alien and Aliens. Like Jack Instead Russell's Great White. Exactly. Yeah. So, but is it, this isn't the actual movie just re-released in 3D. Is this a, a brand new film? If brand new is the phrase that you would use. <laughs> is this a groundbreaking and stunningly original film? In other words, they didn't just take the print of the first film and reprocess it to put, to put it in 3D. I think they probably, you know, spent just a million bucks and did it all again. They they reimagined the first film yeah, this yeah. time in 3D. Yeah, it's different than the first film. Because uh-huh. I remember the first film vividly. I went on a Is that the date. one with the logging truck? No, that's the one with the airplane. <laughs> oh, the airplane one scares me this day, and I was on a date on it, and it just like ruined the entire thing. It was horrible. Yeah. By the way, you can just everybody out there who's getting ready to text me a joke about Final Destination and DJAM, you can just uh, say, but it's it's been done, friend. Oh right. man. Anyway, Final Destination did actually better than some of the prognosticators prognosticated that it would do. It made twenty eight point three million, which is a lot of money. And then uh, number two was Inglorious Bastards, which hung on pretty well, made another $20 million. Not bad for a movie that, that is that long and features Brad Pitt talking that way. And then number three, Rob Zombie, Halloween 2. It made $17.4 million. And, and by the way, I saw an interview with Rob Zombie over the weekend. You know what his new movie is going to be? Um, he's going to be remaking... The Steve McQueen classic, The Blob. I saw that too. Be remaking The Blob, maybe which I think be the big one that you'll like. Uh, maybe. maybe. I mean, this will be his masterwork. I, I'm just, uh, you know, I I would like I would like for that to be the case. I would like for him to put a movie that I can unreservedly uh, get behind. I will say this: Devil's Rejects is the closest he's come to making a movie that I thought really, really worked. Um, but I, I feel like which he... Which one's the one? I get them confused. Which one's House of a Thousand Corpses and which one's Devil's Rejects? House of a Thousand Corpses. the ride at the beginning with the kids on the car trip? That's Devil's Rejects. I like that one better. Yeah, that's a much better film. Mm-hmm. House of a Thousand Corpses is is okay. Uh, but after a while... Here's the other thing about a Rob Zombie film. Like, do you ever notice that everybody in a Rob Zombie film shouts... Nobody speaks in a normal tone of voice. Everybody shouts, often over a kitchen table, sometimes while wearing a stained wife beater. Mm. Uh, and that's what makes those movies, they all kind of drift together. I remember seeing the, like his Halloween film and thinking, okay, we're going to get a different palette. There'll be a different set of uh, components from which he will construct this film. And then they cut to the inside of the Myers house, and sure enough, there's a guy in a wife beater <laughs> yelling at his wife, who's a, you know, who's a stripper. But Rob Zombie has the greatest uh, like confluence of... Pretty and crazy and gross. Like he has because good... he puts like his wife in. Like Sherry Moon is like one of the most beautiful women ever, you know, and just makes her completely, you know. You know what he does crazy. well? Rob Zombie does trashy really well. Mm-hmm. He has a keen sense for trash. I think he leans on that a little too heavy. I understand that about halfway through Halloween too. There is a sequence filled with yes hillbillies, uh, where it's a bunch of guys like with antlers on the hood of their uh, on the hood of their El Camino or something, and they're driving through you know lick skillet something and listening to Skinnerd. I'm not Boy. making that up. Of course. So. I think he was very heavily influenced by things like The Hills Have Eyes. The, very, like that's that. the thing. And, and yeah. he, he has that sort of weird Southern West Craven uh, thing going yeah. on. Let's uh, round out the top five here, and then we'll do the Mad Men recap on the other side of this. All righty. Well, then, okay, then we get to District 9. Still a good movie. Still in the top five. 10.7 million. And then the word that I hate to actually utter, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, which was actually more than one word, but I really hate to utter it. And it made $8 million dollars. Why are people going to see this movie? I don't know. Uh, it's for the same reason Tim went to see Julia and Julia or whatever. It's because he couldn't get into District 9. <laughs> it was sold out. One for District 9. Well, crap. One for G.I. Yeah, I, I fell asleep every time that girl started blogging. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was sort of a, uh, it was like a gossip girl, but more, uh, more succulent. By the way, I should say just on a brief geek note. I had the greatest thing happen to me last Friday, which is I met in person the woman who was the voice of Lady J in the G.I. Joe cartoon. 
And that won't mean anything to anybody in this room. Uh, but if you're uh, I've met her before. nerds in the house, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. You meet somebody like that and you go, wait a minute, I know your voice. <gasps> OMG, you were in the G.I. Joe cartoon. Yeah, she's and... the lady who lives in Portland, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, it was quite a moment. And I did my very oh. best not to like uh, dork out in front of her. All right. Straight ahead, we'll talk about last night's episode of Mad Men. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. More news from Tim Riley uh, on the way as well. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. A pair of Blink-182 passes sometime before 9 a.m. Be listening. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Don't go anywhere. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Why am I an alcoholic? I haven't an epping clue. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up straight ahead, we will talk to Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian about last night's episode of Mad Men. At 8 o'clock, Lisa Desjardins from CNN. 820, our True Blood uh, recap. And at some point before the end of the show, a pair of tickets to see Blink 182. Tim Riley, what headlines are we following for the good people of Portland today? We have some breaking news. Disney is about to buy comic giant Marvel. So they'll own all their major characters. As a matter of fact, did you know that Marvel has 5,000 characters? That doesn't surprise me. That's what it says here. So Disney will own Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, and X-Men. Just well, mentioned a few. Well, they run out of things to ruin, Tim, so... I mean, they've already... I've, I think they're moving on from the Muppets. It's the, uh, you know, they're moving on to a new series of uh, characters that they can destroy for us. So Disney had five billion bucks sitting around... So they said, what should we spend it on? Let's buy a Marvel. It must be nice to be Disney. Must be nice to have such massive cash reserves that you can... Didn't at one point, did they buy... Did ABC buy Disney or did Disney buy ABC? Disney bought ABC. Wow. I mean, that really... It's hard to believe that that just started with uh, the black and white animated rodent. You know what I mean? <laughs> the crudely animated rodent twirling a steering wheel on a boat. And then you're able to uh, drop $5 billion on Marvel Comics. I wonder what... Uh, I wonder what Stan Lee will have to say about that because he, you know, he's, he's very outspoken about who has control of those properties. All right. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Let's talk about last night's episode of Mad Men, which is, um, uh, season three, episode three. And I should say first and foremost, there really aren't spoilers as such. I mean, it's not like a cliffhanger type show. So, I mean, I guess you can tune out if you want to, but it's, it's not like we're. <laughs> It's not like we're really going to be ruining a whole lot in terms of like story development. It's not, you know, it's not like there's some sort of. But you can't mean, but that, but I, but you're the father. Yeah. It's just about the kind of the slow, steady character development. Um, and moments. I will tell you this. I'll, I'll skip ahead to about third, two thirds of the way through the, the program. I just wrote down to myself. These are my running notes while watching Batman last night. I wrote down blackface ellipsis. Oh. Wow. Period. That was the spoiler that I saw that I told you. I'm like when. Someone does something really ridiculous. That was a little. Uh, it was a little unexpected, actually, and it was Roger, right? Yes. It was Roger Sterling. Yes, I mean, th- I I was absolutely floored by that. So there's, I mean, and you think that television has sort of lost the power to shock you or for you to uh, be caught by surprise? But I say, Mad Men has done it a couple times. The first was last season when Betty's dad grabs her ass, thinking that it's uh, his wife. Yeah. And I sort of, I think I told the story last week where I sort of physically pulled back from the television and kind of a. Hoo! You know, and I can't. And now every time that guy's on screen, he's that's creepy. A, it's a it's a clever device that they've done by having the sort of senile Alzheimer's dementia, whatever dad on the screen, because every time he's on camera, 
you find yourself tense. You're debracing to see what awful, socially inappropriate thing he's going to do. He's just going to drop his pants or something. Yeah. And so those moments have been typically confined to him. But uh, last night I'm, I'm watching this and there's a sequence of Roger Sterling. They're all out at a country club and whatever. And, and then they cut to, with no warning, yeah. Roger on bended knee in like full-on blackface singing My Old Kentucky Home to that child bride of his. It and was unbelievable. It, it was, I mean, you know, and obviously we, we all know that things like that existed and so forth, but it's just, it's not something you're used to seeing on television. It was, it was shocking. Well, and there was, I mean, that was one of the themes that that sort of recurred throughout last night's episode. I mean, there were, there were things about, you know, class differences, um, obviously racial subtext, right. you know, I mean, with grandpa sort of worrying that the maid had stolen his five bucks. So there's this ongoing, there's this subplot about the, the grandfather who may or may not have lost $5 because he's stomping around the house. He's, I'm missing $5. Somebody took it. And of course the Drapers have this black maid and there's this, all of this, this weirdness between the, between the grandfather and the maid. He said that, and the show's so great that they never come out and say it. Yeah. But there's all of this sort of racial and cultural and class differential that is just laid right between the lines. And yeah. it makes you very, I mean, like like all of my shows, it's cringe-inducing. You know, like all <laughs> the shows I love to watch, it makes you wince in sort of that great freaks and geeks kind of way. Yeah. Where you're laughing at the same time, it feels like someone has punched you right in the uh, thorax. Yeah, last night's episode was, was had these weird, intense moments like that. I, uh, I also noted here, the grandfather is terrifying. Mm. Uh, every time he summons one of the grandkids in to play with him or to spend time with him, and you're just you're waiting for him to suddenly flash back and have a World War One incident or something in his head, and for him to go nuts. He's that so guy not in a molesty way, but in like a harming way. But in like a coiled spring kind yeah. of a way, he seems to be fighting back like a lot of anger all the time. Which Always. you know, and my uh, my sainted wife has uh, you know she spent a long time working with Alzheimer's folks and, and dementia folks, and apparently that's one of the things that's one of the things that will manifest itself in Alzheimer's people sometimes is this. Like uh, this is like core of anger because they're because it's so frustrating that they yeah. can sense that they have in some way this this recognition of the fact that their brain is is going away and they get and they just get all pissed off about it and the dad the grandfather totally has that this like core of rage about the fact that he's uh, that he's going a little nuts and I think yeah. he can probably tell what else did I write down from last night um, greatest line uh, of the season so far. My name is Peggy Olson, and I want to smoke some marijuana. Exactly. And we sort of knew that that was going to happen. That was a spoiler we'd heard. But um, yeah. I I should say, incidentally, there was all this uh, drama on this show about, I don't know, six, eight months ago, because um, th- th- our good friend Cheryl, who um, handles the guest booking and the coordination for Outlook Portland, which is a TV show I, I do, I referred to her in the presence of Kelly Clark from the Willamette. I referred to, to Cheryl as being the Peggy to my Don Draper. Which is ludicrous on like a hundred levels. A that it implies that I'm anyway that I'm like Don Draper in any fashion at all, and B she took all this offense because she thought I was sort of calling her my gal Friday. Mm-hmm. I I think at this point I have been vindicated because Peggy is. Can we all agree that Peggy is becoming the female Don? Peggy's kind of badass. She really is. I mean, yeah. she's that is a woman with a strong sense of her own uh, uh, of her own capabilities and her own ascendant place in the world. She's I've always br- been a bigger fan of her than me, but I'm starting to like her a lot more. Uh, she's because oh, yeah. she's taken it she is she is sort of taking it uh, she's taken it uh, you know by the horns. I mean, yeah. she's really making her own uh, her own destiny. And she's definitely pushing up against that glass ceiling. She's she, she really sort, of the, sort of trailblazing. And she's kind of embodying, you know, all of that, you know, that stuff you hear from your mom or your grandmother whoever about uh, you know, about the early struggles to get ahead in the workplace and yeah. it's, you know, the old boys network and, and she is a lot of that and on the other hand you've got um what's her name joan holloway who is just like stuck in this weird creepy like relationship with the doctor rapist guy and yeah. um 
there's a sequence, which I will not reveal, at the end of last night's episode where Joan is at this dinner party. She and her man uh, are throwing this dinner party for his boss and some co-workers. And, I mean, she's basically just put on display like a show pony at the end of it. And it's so awkward. Yeah. So difficult to watch. Joan and her squeeze box. Exactly. (laughs) Daddy doesn't sleep at night. Uh, I, on that, I mean, I don't know if you have uh, if you have any additional thoughts, but it was it was a great episode. It really was. It was a great episode, and I, I mean, there were just all these great moments. And again, just sort of on that class thing, that whole extended sequence where the you know the the creatives are stuck working over the weekend on the Bacardi account, and they all get high. And, uh, you know, Paul's old Princeton classmate is his drug dealer right. and comes in and basically starts putting everybody down. Um, because they're not sort of, you know, to the manner born as he is, which I thought was fascinating. Um, and I also loved Pete and Trudy's dance number at the wedding. Dude, that Pete Campbell guy, <laughs> whoever he, he and uh, whoever plays his wife, they did like, and it was clear that they were doing it. They did oh, probably yeah. a four minute dance routine. Was that the Charleston? It was, the, it, was it was the Charleston. <laughs> you know how I know that? Because it's the same dance they do in It's a Wonderful Life, where Jimmy Stewart does that thing of like putting his hands in front of his knees and waving them back and forth. <laughs> they did like a four minute Charleston dance that was flawless. It was pretty, and I'm not a guy who's really impressed by that kind of stuff, but it was really, really good. And it came out of nowhere. Yeah. 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 Also, this there's a moment of real tension between Don Draper and and Roger Sterling, uh, where they, I mean, where you feel like there's going to be an incident between the two of them, which is not a thing that you really see on that show because Don Draper is so much the go along to get along. Final observation that I had is that at one point last night, uh, Betty and Don are at this party. And Betty does that thing again where she nearly, you get the feeling she's going to hump some stranger for yeah. no reason. And she's pregnant. And she's pregnant. And some guy's hitting her at the party. And you sense that she's just like one drink away from going and like banging it out in a broom closet somewhere. <laughs> but at one point, Don gets up to go get a drink or to do something or other. And Betty actually pulls it out of his sleeve and she says, hey, don't disappear. Which I think is a sort of a a not too subtle indication that, you know, you always are thinking that that guy's about to reinvent himself and just sort of vanish. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh it was quite something. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was vastly impressed. It was really was. good. And, and I really am worried about their daughter, Sally, the little Draper girl. All oh, those kids are going nuts. Yeah. She's got, she's got major therapy in her future. She's uh, got therapy. And then it's so clear that Betty doesn't like their son. Uh, that Betty doesn't like the boy that she has like this strange sort of man issues. That you know what you know who else disappeared is not the single hippie mom down the street. The yeah. the, the, the what's her name the beatnik. Yeah, and wasn't he the one with the nutcase kid? Yes. Yeah. Didn't the she have the, the playhouse? Didn't she have the creepy kid with the yeah. strange teeth? like I stole your hair and your bra yeah. or whatever. And the creepy kid played by Matthew Weiner's own, own son. Yeah, it's uh, I, he just totally vanished, which is too bad because I found him off-putting in a sort of uh, endearing kind of mm-hmm. way. All right, what is coming up in the Oregonian, Christy Turnquist? Well, today. Um, um, after I leave here, I'm going to be heading out to uh, check out auditions for the show Super Nanny, which I believe will involve people bringing their misbehaving children to see whose family can be the most misbehaving and the most deserving of intervention from the Super Nanny. I so they- love that show. Have you ever seen it? I have. It's they, a great show. Are the These kids going to have to... Uh, the uh, gazelle-legged group that you <laughs> wrote about in today's... I, you know, I'm just... I'm all over town. Are the kids going to have to demonstrate that they're awful somehow? Or I, do the parents have to demonstrate that? I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to find out. Because this is like when your kid is a little like a hooligan, right? And he won't behave yeah. and they bring somebody yeah. in to and sort of... And then the parents are also not exactly, you know, models of, of great parental awesome. um, technique. Fantastic. Christy Turnquist, reader and print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Straight ahead, we have news from Tim Riley at the news desk. And uh, I'll play this great song that somebody sent me over the weekend that kind of ties into last night's Mad Men episode. You stay there. I mean, at 8 o'clock, Lisa Desjardins from CNN Radio in Washington, D.C. And ticket to see Blink-182. Stay there. Back after this. 
This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Where I come from, it is normal to be gay. Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Yeah, I feel much better about things after that. Every third text this morning is about how people think I have corpses in my basement. Not in like a, you know, not in a California way. It just, uh, I have all these house flies, and they've never been there. I, you, know, you get flies every now and again, but I mean, there's lots, there's a, there's a, well, a takes, sizable number of house flies in my place. It takes a body a little, uh, you know, a bit of time to rot. The, and it's been really warm, but I figured that would have happened like, you know, I don't know, during the big heat wave, which is what, like July or something? I mean, if really, if I had something dead in my house, you figure that's when it would be attracting flies. But it's just like the last two or three days. It's like every room in the house I go into, and there's probably four or five. And it's like I'm in the Amityville Horror. It's four or five of those things just buzzing around inside a light or inside a lamp or well, next you know, the, to the window. The truth is, like, they wouldn't be there if not for a purpose. Well, I suppose. It says, uh, Rick, you have lots of flies. That means you have lots of eggs. In between the two, you do have lots of maggots. Enjoy your house. Uh, Rick. <laughs> You have something dead in your house. Fly babies, i.e. maggots, are feasting on a corpse. It's probably in your basement. Trust me, Michelle. How about this? Uh, Rick, you have a zombie in your basement. This one says, Rick, I feel your pain. I keep my house spotless, and the bastard flies are in circles everywhere in my living room, right in front of the TV. Drives me crazy. This says, Rick, it's possible the maggots are filling the walls of your home. Have a good night's sleep. uh, There you go. All right. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center, downtown Portland, 746. It's going to be partly sunny today, highs near 80 degrees. There are some changes coming to the max line. The yellow line no longer runs down Southwest First Avenue to Morrison or Yamhill. But now the best part is it'll take you to Union Station. Now, they didn't have a max stop there before, and they needed one for the longest time. Before then, the easiest way to get there was to take the uh, the streetcar, get off on Gleason, and walk like three or four blocks to Union Station with heavy suitcases. Well, and there's always construction going on there. Yeah. Like they've got a bunch of those roads closed off. So if you're going to Union Station, I think you're you're kind of screwed if you're in your car too, because you can't get very close because they've got everything blocked off. And you don't want to park your car at Union Station because there's nobody watching that parking lot. Right. So, so it's about time they had something going there. So that is a good thing. Police are looking for a sex offender who failed to register as one. 41-year-old Omar Mosquita was reportedly residing in Oregon City and is wanted for failing to register, attempting to elude police in the vehicle. They report he's been around children under the age of 18, and he's not supposed to be. So. Omar Mosquita? Yes, Omar Mosquita. All right, just uh, just checking. So, uh, let's see, back to uh, Ted Kennedy over the weekend. California's first lady, Maria Shriver, made a guest appearance on Meet the Press and uh, talked about her uncle. He himself was wounded, and he himself uh, knew pain. He himself knew struggle. He knew abandonment. He knew all of the things that pain a human being. Uh, Teddy Kennedy Jr., I don't know if anybody saw his speech, but it was fantastic. Uh, in part of the speech, uh, Teddy Jr. Uh, joked that his father was a man of action. He was a mountain climber, navigator, skipper, tactician, airplane pilot, rodeo rider, ski jumper, dog lover, and all-around adventurer. Our family vacations left us all injured and exhausted. Who was the, the girl who was speaking? Was that Ted Kennedy's stepdaughter? Yeah, uh, uh, 
Let's see. Yes, stepdaughter. The uh, the uh, the girl with the long brunette mm-hmm. hair. Yes. She's very attractive. She is. The Kennedys. They're a good looking people. That's mm-hmm. a that's a strong gene family. Oh yes, that definitely is. And uh, let's see. Barack Obama made his speech too. Here's a part of what he had to say. That Kennedy has gone home now, guided by his faith and by the light of those that he has loved and lost. At last, he is with them once more, leaving those of us who grieve his passing with the memories he gave, the good that he did, the dream he kept alive, and a single enduring image, the image of a man on a boat, white mane tussle, smiling broadly as he sails into the wind, ready for whatever storms may come, carrying on toward some new and wondrous place just beyond the horizon. May God bless Ted Kennedy, and may he rest in eternal peace. What boat is he talking about? What is the image he's referring to there? Well, Kennedy liked to sail. He, he was always sailing around Hyannisport in boat races. Oh, okay, so I didn't know if this was some sort of famous pose that I was supposed to... He's going off... He's going to Grey Havens with Gandalf at the end. Oh, uh, well, he's probably talking about that documentary, the HBO documentary that they were showing. It, it showed him on his boat. Ah, okay, With, All right. with his grandchildren. Also, uh, to be missed on Capitol Hill, Ted Kennedy's dogs, the constant presence of three Portuguese water dogs, uh, were always around. There were bowls of water and tennis balls on hand at his office. While the exception of the Senate floor, there were a few places that Splash, Sonny, and Cappy didn't have access to. They were even in the Oval Office, uh, barking away on numerous occasions. Uh, today, the uh, Ted Kennedy's dogs are with his wife, Vicky at the Kennedy compound at Cape Cod. All right, so without further ado, I should probably play this. So uh, I got this sent to me over the weekend, and I don't think it was because of the Madman thing. It just sort of ties in perfectly. Every now and again with a major artist, you'll come across a song they recorded years and years and years ago for some reason that is lost now to the sands of time, and you wonder exactly what the conversation was between the agent and the artist before they went into the studio. How it was they were talked into recording this song. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Neil Diamond. La, 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 pot, pot, give us some pot. Forget what you are, you can be what you're not. High, high, I want to get high. Never give it up if you give it a try. La, 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 la. I started when I was 13, and... Uh... I had saw some people smoking pot, and I bought myself a nickel bag, and I went behind my building and sat on a bench all by myself, and I smoked that bag, you know, until I finally got high. Well, I started with pot because I was curious, and at that time I was having problems with my family. I remember on one trip, I was at a party, and uh, I got very sick from, uh, from speed, from meth. And uh, I used to shoot it in my spine. I also shoot. I also used to shoot acid in my spine. I, I shoot and, uh, acid in my spine. I too much. I was building a big thing up over a week, and I got sick, and uh, I tried to commit suicide. Neil Diamond, ladies and gentlemen. La la la, pot, pot, give me some pot. Get what you are, you can be This is worth the wait, wasn't it? Do, wow. Do take a family cruise. You with your grass, mom and dad with their booze. This is the best thing you've ever heard. Is that from like I'm so Sesame Street? You know, like every my my family, there was so much going on in my family. You know, every little thing bothered me. When I started using drugs, like I just didn't care. Nothing bothered me. Nothing hurt. You know, I didn't feel anything. 
And like, I, you know, I didn't care if I lived or died. So Neil Diamond featuring Diane Linklater. Dope or if I took an OD or what. I felt unhappy. Like, I felt so unworthy, you know. From the time I was growing up, I think, like, I have two older sisters they are twins, you know. The three of us used to compete for my father's love. And mm-hmm. I always felt like he loved them more than he loved. Like, he used to tell me this, you know. Like, he used to say all the time, you're unworthy, you're not as good looking as your sisters, you're not this like your sisters, you know. You're never going to be anything, no one's ever going to love you. He was a rabbi, and there was a lot of pressure, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Diamond. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, we'll continue this later on. We'll uh, finish the uh, what's this finish about the song. anyway? Well, Tim, I believe it's a warning to the youth of today not to go looking for cheap kicks and fast thrills with goofballs. Or uh, well, that's sensible. I guess not to go pick up a lid from the man in the park. Or whatever. Straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO! Portland! La, 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 pot, pot, give us some pot. Forget what you are, you can be what you're not. Hi, hi, I want to get high. Never give it up if you give it a try. Here's the thing about Neil Diamond is he can't help but write catchy songs. Even when he's singing about this guy injecting methamphetamine into his spine. Which I think is perhaps overstating a little bit. I don't really know how you would do that. That does seem a little impossible. Your, your spine is, is what we call very, very hard, isn't it? I mean, it's made of bone. You can't inject something into your bones. You know, until I finally got high. I mean, unless you're really, really motivated. because I was curious. I don't understand why they're saying all these horrible stories, but then Neil Diamond's singing upbeat about pot. And then Neil Diamond's chorus makes it sound like it's awesome. I got very sick. Well, uh, welcome Lisa Desjardins in one second here. Let me, here we, we've got the second. Uh, I used to shoot it in my spine. I also shoot, I also used to shoot it I think he's, see, I think he's not understanding where his spine is. I was building a big thing up over a week, and I got sick, and uh, I tried to commit suicide. Building a big thing? La, 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 pot, pot. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. How are you, Lisa? How are you? I'm uh, fantastic. Are you uh, sharing in the good vibe from Neil Diamond there? Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm in a Volkswagen bus on a sunny highway. I, that came out in 1968. I was just looking at it during the break. Uh, that is called uh, the Pot Smokers Song. And came out in 1968, amazingly enough, not a huge hit. So that would have been... Tim, when did that Art Linkletter record come out? I don't remember. That was long, long ago. It's like the early 70s, maybe? Art and Diane Linkletter, Mm -hmm. the We Love You Call Collect? Yeah. So there was a whole series of songs basically trying to get the youth of America not to be uh, popping pills and you know and smoking the Mary Jane and so forth. But uh, in honor of last night's Mad Men episode where uh, Peggy Olson decided to get high, uh, I am playing the, the Pot Smoker song by Neil Diamond, which does sound like he's really... First of all, it sounds like Neil Diamond himself is high while he's singing it. Second of all, he sounds really happy about the whole thing. Uh, you know, about the, sitting there just getting baked out of his brain while some guy's talking about injecting drugs into his spine. Just a, it's a very mixed message. How was your weekend, Lisa? Which, what, what kind of pot smoker is injecting drugs into his spine? I don't really know the answer. I should tell you this, that, oh, I don't know. Do I, do I dare play her the soundbite from that drug scare story we had from Phoenix? 
Ooh. Which one? Yes. You know the one I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I she can handle it. All right, I'm going to play you this is I'm just going to play you just a tiny little soundbite. This is about 5 seconds long, Lisa, and all you need to know is that uh, this is not a fake story. We're not making this up. This was an actual story as reported by the ABC affiliate in Phoenix, Arizona, where they were talking about things your student might be using to get high. Our news team was looking into uh, things parents need to be aware of as the school season begins anew. And so they're talking to parents about alternative methods kids might be using to abuse their bodies with drugs or alcohol and things you need to be on the lookout for. Here's a five-second excerpt from that news story. Even more graphic, anal beer bongs and soaking tampons in vodka. There you go. That's uh, that's from the ABC News affiliate there in Phoenix. So, all right. Are you able to hear any of these sound bites? No. You were just lying to me right now, weren't you? I wasn't you? lying. I didn't say anything. I was waiting to see how the moment went. I, I was going to, I didn't, you know, you I, could, I wasn't reacting. But you could hear Neil Diamond? I did hear Neil Diamond, but I didn't hear the sound bite. Uh, all right. Well, the, uh, I didn't, I didn't falsely react. That's okay. You know, I could tell from your silence there, though, that you weren't going to say anything about it. And we've gone through this once before. This is when I was playing a sound. I remember exactly what happened, too. About 18 months ago, I played a sound clip of you back to back with a sound clip of MTV VJ Martha Quinn. Because somebody pointed out that you sounded a lot like Martha Quinn. And I played them back to back. And then I asked your thoughts on it. And you sort of bluffed your way through it. And then I think it was actually the next day that your Catholic guilt got the better of you. And you decided to confess that you actually couldn't hear any of the sound bites I, w- I was playing. Yeah. And then we had... Uh, it's going on for a couple of weeks, actually. But that was the one that I really felt because I just had no clue what was going on. And, and then I... we had to have a rapprochement uh, and an understanding. All right. Well, in any event, suffice yeah. it to say that the sound bite I was just playing was uh, both hilarious and unnerving. I'll uh, play it for you at some future point. So with the passing of Ted Kennedy, here's a question... Are the folks in Massachusetts afraid that they're going to kind of lose their their political clout, that that section, you know, that state in particular in that region is just not going to have anybody kind of looking out for them the way that they that they had? I, I think there's definitely a feeling that that an era has ended for them politically, and they're worried about what that means for the state. You know, he he got them all of that funding for the big dig. He is the one that made Massachusetts a perennial player um, in national democratic politics, and and I think there is a lot of concern, especially from Democrats up there, on on what it means, how much influence they'll have on the party now, and and then for everyone, uh, you know, if they're if they'll get these big projects anymore. And, but you know, I think people are still coming to terms. With it. It's not really clear how this is going to work out, what's going to happen now. I have to tell you that uh, I was watching Obama this weekend, and you know, Tim, I know, spent... How many hours were you in front of the television this weekend, Tim? I think for the whole thing, and then I played some things twice. Really? Because they were <laughs> happening simultaneously. So there was, I mean, there was a lot going on uh, this weekend, and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of sort of pomp and, and circumstance with it, but... It does seem Dick Cheney had this thing he was saying earlier about, well, personally, I, I liked uh, Ted Kennedy, and you know we were on opposite sides of the aisle, but he was a good person. And I got it rang very true to me. Um, would you share uh, my assessment that, A, a lot of people who found almost no common ground with Ted Kennedy politically really liked him, and, B, that Dick Cheney probably was speaking the truth there because he seems like a guy who can separate politics from personality? 
Wow, that's a lot of great. I think I think you're right that a lot of people did kind of there was something they liked about Ted Kennedy. Even the, it, it was a real love hate thing for some people. Even my mom grew up in Boston, and 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 she has some really serious mixed feelings about him. Uh, but she, you know, she she was sad. You know, it was the end of the end of an era for right. them. Even though she she I'd say she's more in the anti Ted Kennedy than pro, but she still even she was was feeling it. There's something that she did like about him, and he really was a warrior up here on on Capitol Hill. Uh, no doubt about that. I think on Dick Cheney, yeah, I mean, I think I think Vice President Cheney, whether he um, gets a thought and believes it or decides he's going to believe a thought that someone else has had, I I think when he says things. Um, on on air, he he does believe them, and he's being truthful. I get the feeling that it's as they say in The Godfather, you know, it's not personal; it's just business uh, with him. And so when he goes out there and he's in the arena, when he's in the ring, I think he kind of gives no quarter and expects none. You know, he's a, a sort of a man who plays the game as hard as you can play it. But I get the I compared him earlier to the Morning Sam, Morning Ralph thing in the Warner Brothers cartoons, where it's like the sheepdog and the coyote or whatever, clocking in and out of work at the same time. I get the feeling that once five o'clock comes, that the, the, the Dick Cheney sort of takes off his evil. He takes off his evil cloak and he hangs it but you know he folds it back inside a briefcase and then he goes and he gets a sidecar somewhere uh and then you know he's uh and then he's calm and sedate until the next morning when he uh, when he when he puts on his uh you know his robe of uh, nefariousness again I, I, it's, it's more than possible but you know, i think a very telling moment about him is when he had that vice presidential debate with john edwards right you know and it, i think edwards was the guy who was kind of you know the true believer to drinking the kool-aid and kind of emotional about everything and cheney was just cool as a cucumber throughout the whole thing just just business getting it done and kind of made john edwards really seem like you know the the, the freshman kid you know in the debate club oh he just crushed him i remember he just shredded him into tiny little john parts uh, did you hear that john edwards mistress has actually moved into his, the house do you know if that's true or not i don't know if you're I still following that it. sort of a you thing guys are more up on that than i am i yeah I, I had not heard that. I try to wallow in the uh, you know in the shallow end of the news pool, but uh, that's a thing that I haven't been able to confirm. All right, uh, before we wrap it up, I'd like to leave you with this uh, this thought, Lisa, that you may or may not be able to hear. La la la, pot pot, give us some pot. Forget what you are, you can be what you're not. There you go, Neil Diamond, uh, telling you uh, all you need to know about living in this world of ours. <laughs> uh, have a fantastic day, Lisa. We'll talk to you very soon. Oh, you guys too. Okay. There you go, Lisa Desjardins from the Hill. Awesome. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. What headlines are we working on for the people of Portland today? Well, we don't know for sure whether or not there's anything left of it, but the entourage home was burning in those California fires. The actual uh, house, that yes. the, is the exterior? I guess it's an interior that shoots somewhere else, but the exterior the of the exterior. house. The exterior. Wow. The, the house itself in the uh, California wildfire. So that's going very badly for them. Uh, we're going to hear, let's see, more people talk about Ted Kennedy or in Hatch. Also, uh, John Kerry and Obama himself. And uh, th- that bizarre almost kidnapping in Clark County. Luckily, the girl got away. More on that also coming up. All right. And uh, we also, I'm going to put these up on my uh, weblog. Somebody asked about these. But those photographs that I think the Daily Mail or somebody in Britain had of that tent complex in the background with that nutcase guy. And now oh, it's I come see out. That. I haven't seen those yet. And it's come out that like she worked with him now. That like at his business, wherever his business was, that he was like she was like. You know, she was an assistant there. Like, who's this? Oh, this is, uh, you know, Angelica or whatever he was calling her. Or whatever. So um, it's just very strange, especially it amazes me, actually, that it wasn't discovered before now. Because I was talking about the fact that all those tents were strung together and they weren't. There was no reinforcing. There was no fencing. There was no whatever. And you got you to gotta assume that he had her brainwashed probably almost immediately because otherwise it would have been easy for her to get away. Because mm-hmm. there was no, again, a tent is just canvas. You can cut that with anything sharp. So... 
even if you figured that she was brainwashed and never bothered to get away, because it's not like the Austrian guy where she was locked in a dungeon there was no getting out of. I mean, that guy, like, took time to... You know, he, he did it the way he did it the Austrian way. He made sure that there was no escape at all. This thing, it was so it would have been so easy for her to get out or somebody to get in that he must have just had her under some mind control like, he must from have, the like, outset. Mentally broken her. But it's still amazing that the neighbors never did anything about it because now I read a story this morning just about fifteen minutes ago that one of the neighbors is now confirming they called the cops that she called the cops and because the cops showed up and they just didn't investigate it any further. And all they would have had to, it's not like it was under padlock and you couldn't get in. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tent. I mean, you all you have to do is just structure in someone's backyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you got yourself a good sharp house key. You can cut through the side of that thing. So it's astounding that it, that it didn't get uh, discovered before now. All right. Well, straight ahead, Sarah and I will do our, uh, speaking of astounding, our recap of last night's True <laughs> Blood. so much. I have so much to say about that. So we'll do our True Blood recap and then news from Tim Riley sometime before the end of the show today. A pair of tickets for you to see Blink 182. Details at KUFO.com. Be listening. It's a Rick Emerson Show live from Portland, Oregon. Stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. They're scowling, goose-stepping commies. That's what freaks me out about them. Sour pusses. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to join us tomorrow when our guests will include Don Taylor from Movies.com and Dax Holt from TMZ. Uh, before we do the uh, True Blood recap here, well, two things. Both of varying degrees of excitement. I well, I should say that I will post that Nickelback uh, photo, the photo of uh, Paddock and I with the Nickelback guys on Friday. Yes, Even though I look awful. Paddock looks fine. The guys in Nickelback, you know, are... They're pretty, pretty men. And Chad Kroger really is a pretty guy. I have to, there's just no getting around. There's no. I was trying to find a, a better way to put it. Is, is, there's really no other way to describe him. He's well, you a, just said uh, he's kind of wafy, right? He's a delicate flower of a man. He is. I mean, the, <laughs> first of all, he's really tall. I mean, I'm like what five ten, five something like that. And um, he's. I mean, he's got to be six, six two, six three at least. And I, he weighs less than I do, and I don't weigh a lot. Um, he's like a. Ama- I mean, he doesn't look unhealthy though. It's not like he looks sickly or emaciated. I think he's just a very. He's just a rail of a guy. He's just petite. But then he gets up on stage and he has that. Come on, you know, voice that comes out and you're just like. I texted Paddock at one point in the show and I said, "This voice and these songs don't look like they should be. You know, they don't sound like they should be coming out of how that guy looks. <laughs> coming out of that face. Yeah, I mean, it was it made no sense at all. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, that was like a bad show or anything. It's just that like that guy steps up and it looks like he ought to be saying like. Uh, it looks like you ought to be saying, and now thank you for coming by. I'd like to play a few selections on the lute. And then, but, you know, but suddenly he's, he's talking about your pants around your ankles, and it's all very <laughs> weird. In your mouth. Um, anywho, speaking of concerts, don't forget Blink-182 is coming up September 9th. It is 9909. Tickets on sale, and there's a special KUFO ticket deal that is coming up this uh, week. It's Wednesday night at midnight. So this coming Wednesday night at midnight, that's Wednesday night, Thursday morning, you go online, you buy one regular price ticket, you get the second one for a dollar. And 82 cents. So that is this coming Wednesday night at midnight. You go online, you buy one regular price ticket, you get the second ticket for $1.82. Now the offer starts at midnight and it lasts for 182 minutes only. So for 182 minutes, you can do that. You buy one regular price ticket to Blink 182, you get the second one for $1.82. So uh, as part of that right now, if you are caller 10 at 503, 503- 228-4101, 503-228-4101, you're going to win yourself a pair of tickets to see Blink 182 coming up. 
September 9th. Without further ado, let us roll this. It is our recap of last night's episode. Of Bill Gates, My New Best Friend, the musical. Hold on a second. Let me just... Well, that's awesome. It's kind of like you're making a dance mix to it. Hold on a second. I'm feeling it. Urge to kill rising. Let me try this one more time so I can with the... That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Well, that's that's swell. That kind of sums up last night's episode anyway, doesn't it? Hold on. Oh, for the love of... Yep. Uh, but see, now it's become a quest. Now I have to, now I have to make it work. No, I've got it right here. Hold on a second. Let me just... Uh... Windows has exp- Windows experienced a critical system error and cannot play this sound file. <laughs> what that's, does that mean? That's fantastic. It means go buy a Mac. Yeah, that's it, what it means. It means I made the right decision by buying... You know how I'm playing this? I'm using QuickTime, which is the... Uh, that's the Apple uh, audio player, by the way. Thanks so much, Bill Gates. I appreciate it. Hi, Rick. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing today? Doing well. That's great. I'd be doing better if last night's episode was a little bit better than it was. I have to tell you about last night's episode. I hope that next season they decide to focus a lot more on Eric, because I've decided that Eric is way more interesting than Bill will ever be. And Bill the, is so boring. All of the ancillary characters on True Blood are more interesting than the main characters. I even find, what's his name, Andy DeFleur or whatever his name is, the, the, the fat hillbilly cop. Mm-hmm. Even he's interesting to me when compared to the other characters. I know it sounds like we don't like the show at all, which, of course, it's a... It's not true. We love the show. It's a love-hate relationship with True yes. Blood because it's so bad. It's so abusive to us that we can't help but love it. But the main characters, I think, have just become really irritating. Sookie, and the secondary Tara, characters... All of them need to just die. <laughs> I mean... Don't you agree that the show would be a lot more interesting at this point if they just made the vampires the protagonists? Oh, if yeah. they were the heroes of the show or the the main characters anyway? Because the the good guys have just become shrill and unlikable. And I swear to God, if I had to sit through one more idiotic scene with Tara and her idiot junkie mother having some argument back of, you never loved me! You were never a good daughter! Jesus! Drugs! Booze! You never loved me! You were a bad daughter! My Jesus! Drugs! Of true love. You can't have true love with a man named Eggs! That is, I mean, oh my God! Imagine screaming out the name "eggs" while you're engaged in an act of passion. an act of in an act of intimacy. Um, here's what's good about last night's True Blood: Evan Rachel Wood as the vampire queen. Oh my God! Yes, she was fantastic. I could have watched an entire. I could have watched two, three hours of just her as the queen vampire. That was great. And there was not enough of her. And I, that's the other thing. Every time they cut away, I just wanted them to go back to her. You really nailed it earlier. We were talking during a break, and you said, when did True Blood quit being about vampires? It's not a vampire show anymore. It's a main ad show, and it's just a bunch of cracky, you know, like, people with, like, crazy bug eyes. It's like a bunch of uh, models from American Apparel who are running around in the woods having sex and wielding chainsaws. It's not shocking anymore. Like, the first time you saw it, it was shocking, and that's what made it interesting. Now it's just getting tedious. It's I, like now it's now it's the norm of this show. And the thing about it is, is like that, uh, what's his name, a Jason Stackhouse character, is so clearly they're trying to do, like, a Bruce Campbell Ash thing with him, mm. where he's sort of rallying up the townspeople oh, to yeah, fight against... Chainsaw? It's very much like an Army of Darkness uh, deal. They have a really st- an interesting stylistic choice they did with the Vampire Queen, though, where they depict, because she's the ultimate authority over all vampires, apparently. She's the oldest living vampire, I guess that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they depict her life as being really sort of sheltered and boring, that she is kind of a queen in every sense of the word. She's very much like a sheltered royal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there's, you know, and what the, like her entire show is her playing, her entire uh, Play like depiction Yahtzee. of that show is playing Yahtzee. Uh-huh. And... She's built this room that replicates what it's like to be outside, a sunroom. And then at some random point, they cut back to Bill, who's there in swim trunks and a pair of sunglasses. Which just looks so ridiculous. Um, He is so 
Oh my god, so obnoxious. And if I have to hear him and Eric have the dialogue about like you want sucky, can't believe you made her suck your blood. You can't have sucky. It's just so obnoxious. I I also looked away from the screen at one point last night and then when I looked back, Suki was laying on the ground with some fat guy. And they were, like, pillow-talking to each other, and I realized that I had no idea why that was happening or who he was. And then it was never explained. I, just, I completely lost the thread so of the show she was trying to, Yeah, she was trying to subdue him because he had the crazy black eyes, and uh, she was trying to get to Marianne, but he had stopped her. Yeah. It was really, really I I feel like Alan Ball had a really strong first season in him, and then when they renewed True Blood for a second season, I think it must have caught him off guard, and he suddenly had to write something. And that's why the second season feels so slapdash. And I really wish that they would stop ending episodes with Sookie screaming. Yeah. And then that's it. Like, and then Sookie screams, cut to the cur- to the credits. Right. Every time. So there's one more episode left. There's the finale. And then uh, I'm hoping that next season they take it in a different direction where they may jump back in time. A new direction. Or, yeah, new direction. Or they focus more on the vampire mythology and the vampire. Because that stuff's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when you you noted Eric and the and the vampire queen and all this stuff. That is stuff is really fascinating. I've completely. It, I guess what it, what it comes down to is the humans on the show no longer bicycle, interest me at all. Bicycle. What you doing, Tim? How things going over there? I just popped up a website and they started singing. <laughs> okay. Oh, also. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't top bicycle. I, no, I've got nothing. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. So well, there's one more episode to go. The season finale, and I don't even really have any uh, predictions as such, but I'll think about it this weekend on uh, Friday. I Although know. it's actually not even this Sunday; it's in two weeks. Okay. They're making us wait two weeks. So I don't know what's coming up this Sunday. I think it might be a recap or something, or a, you know, a retrospective. Yeah. But um, the I'll vampires on the I'll show were. Forever. I, I'll watch it, but I hope they focus more on the vampires because the human characters have become very, very off-putting. They become very irritating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Evan Rachel Wood. That was great, and she's hot, uh, by the way. And I love the little uh, taste of evil that they give you with Eric. I was talking about eating the children. Yeah. What was he saying? That they smell so succulent. There you go. It's great. All right, straight ahead. News from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Share your thoughts with Billy. Hey, could you ruin my life, too? Maybe just destroy my livelihood or something? How about give me cancer? Maybe steal my wife? You know, whatever. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in color. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who's rigged now, Mr. Riggy Man? The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dax Holt from TMZ and from Movies.com, Don Taylor talking about uh, new DVD releases. Don't forget, this Friday at 9 a.m., the KUFO half-off sale uh, continues, uh, featuring such things as a gift certificate to Sunnyside Automotive and Exhaust, a state-of-the-art auto repair facility with top-notch technicians geared toward the ultimate in customer service. Be able to get yourself a $25 gift certificate to Sunnyside Automotive and Exhaust for half-off. Uh, that is this Friday at 9 a.m. at KUFO.com. But if you are a caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you'll get you, uh, yourself one of those before you're able to buy it. That is uh, 503-228-4101 if you're caller 10 right now. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center, downtown Portland, 849. It's going to be a mostly sunny today, highest near 80. Officials with Clackamas County Jail say they're ready for a disaster. Officials work with the county jail to conduct mock drills over the weekend to determine how ready they are for possible emergency scenarios that could cause damage to the jail. 
The county jail says the required exercise is important for public safety and the relationship between local emergency agencies and jail personnel. Prospective emergencies or disasters in Clackamas County, they're ready. Bring them on. Well, Disney has bought Marvel Comics and 50,000 characters, they say. The price tag, Disney is paying $4 billion for it. Here's Disney CEO Robert Igar, who tells us more about the prospective sale, which apparently uh, everybody is for at this point, at least on both sides. The popularity of Marvel characters and stories transcends gender, age, cultural and geographic boundaries, and can be told successfully across a wide range of both traditional and new media platforms. That says the Disney Bunker. Says some guy on a classroom film strip via voicemail from 1972. Uh, Marvel chairman Morton Handel is very excited about this, too. Bob and his team have written a playbook on how to effectively expand content creation and licensing businesses. Disney's incredible It's like listening in on a CBS a conference call. A Radio Moscow. Many media platforms can expand Marvel's well-known franchises. Well, they really sound like creative people. They sound like people who understand what it's like to be an artist. I trust them with uh, safeguarding some of America's favorite creations and comic book characters. The enthusiasm's just craziness. Anytime a guy starts talking about ans- uh, you know, ancillary tertiary revenue streams and maximizing new media profit platforms, that's a guy you should put into in, in charge of, of anything that involves creativity. Time for Snuff Watch. Here's your Snuff Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. was discovered in his Soho apartment with a pipe and a nearby empty bag of cocaine next to his body. He is a 36-year-old DJ whose real name was Adam Goldstein. He was wrapping up shooting his new MTV reality show called Gone Too Far. The show featured Goldstein helping addicts to stay sober. The inspiration for the show is that I am a recovering drug addict. I have 11 years Dope. sober, and something I've always done since, you know, the beginning of my sobriety is Fail. work with other addicts, you know, in recovery. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. No, it's well, that's the show where they uh, they have him holding the crack pipe. And he says at one point, this is the first time I've held a crack pipe, held a crack pipe in like three years. So sort of like sh- looking at it lovingly. Oh. And then that's, you know, what they find Don't next to him. Don't put the crack is, uh, pipe back in somebody's hand. No. Hey, you recovering addict, hold this crack pipe, won't you please? Mm-hmm. What could possibly go wrong? Pop rockers Blink-182 took a moment from their Saturday night concert at Hartford to honor their good friend, AMDJ, or DJ AM. We lost your dear friend yesterday. His name is Adam Goldstein. You play know him as DJ AM. Well, I guess he was really, uh, I guess he was all busted up over breaking up with his girlfriend, Haley something or other, whatever her name was. Uh, and then TMZ, as they always do, they got the photograph of her, like, going to his place and then leaving his place. And she did not appear to be in a very good uh, state of mind either. But I guess she dumped him. And then he was, you know, he was he was twittering endlessly about it or whatever. And then his final, he sent out like a Twitter update that was, um, he was quoting, um, 
He was quoting uh, a, a song about New York City, and I forget, I forget what the song was, but it was uh, it was some set of song lyrics that he put out that were sort of you know poignant and whatever. And so everybody's kind of wondering if it was an, if it was an intentional overdose, but it doesn't seem that way. Uh, they said the initial read on it was that it looked like an accidental overdose, and sort of like a Heath Ledger uh, style thing. Well, but because probably if he's putting it out there that he's a recovering addict, he knows that it, he's not going to want to be discovered with a crack pipe. That's the hand. thing. You don't want to be like remember me half naked and uh, yeah. you know covered in medications of various forms. So mm-hmm. yeah, I got a a text message about that on Friday night and it really caught me off guard because he's not a guy you really I mean, you know nobody had DJ AM in their, in their death pool especially because you figure after he, they make it through that plane crash him and Travis Barker that that's you know you've kind of you know God's taken his shot and missed uh, but uh, but apparently not so I uh, yeah it's just uh, it's just weird alright there you go there's your snuff watch from Monday Well, so speaking of uh, drug songs, we should probably wrap up uh, today's show this way. We didn't get to the uh, we didn't get to the final verse of uh, this Neil Diamond song. And I'd like to uh, thank uh, I think his name was Sam, the guy who sent this to me over the weekend. This is Neil Diamond, ladies and gentlemen. We'll get to the uh, the final stanza and chorus here of Neil Diamond's pot smoking song. Much like I was much of anything in my whole in my whole life. I was looking for love somewhere. I wasn't getting it anywhere. That's like Jerry I was Lewis. Never happy. I'm never happy. I always felt uh, on the outside. Actually, as much as I'd like to deny the fact that uh, pot was the beginning of my usage of drugs, uh, I'm there as a fact. It was the beginning of my using of drugs. It was the first thing I touched uh, in the drug field. I was told it was innocent by everybody that surrounded me, people that I looked up to as intellectuals and uh, smart people. Don't trust and, intellectuals. Uh, they told me there was nothing wrong with pot. You would never graduate from anything else. Now I can walk up the street here about a block and see these same people, uh, as intellectual as I thought they were, using hair. I can't see myself ever using it again. I mean, never before has an anti-drug song had such a bouncy, happy chorus. Yeah. Why is he singing about a possum? I was so intimidated and sort of busted. I said, wow, what's that? And blew my mind, and I liked it. But then, I, you know, he threw up the other nostril, and up the nostril, and went, and my head blew. We used to say, ride the pink horse down Night Me Alley. It ends with a guy saying, ride the pink horse down the alley, which apparently is what the young people were referring to, uh, to pot ass. So there you go. Neil Diamond, ladies and gentlemen. That's um, pure gold. American songsmith. <laughs> All right, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins for joining us today and Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. Tomorrow we will be speaking with uh, Dax Holt from TMZ, Don Taylor from Movies.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. For Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phone today is Greg Nibbler at the front desk. The gatekeeper, Dave's in. The webmistress, Bridget from upstairs. Alpha broadcasting marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Chris Paddock is the uh, executive uh, producer. Coming up next, it is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Monday, August 31st, 2009. And that is The Frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye.
La 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 pot pot give us some pot Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area your daily show prep is now concluded thank you for listening